Hey, it's Dave. I'm going to get right into the episode quickly. I just wanted to mention Motor right before we got started. If you need a ride in the Seattle area and the Northwest and any of the places they're expanding to, use Motor. You get the app at ridemotor.cc. Get on there, get the app. In fact, if you want to be a driver for Motor, you can apply for a job in the same place. Ridemotor.cc. They're a great company. No surge pricing. They have all the best drivers, and that's no surprise because their drivers are professional, they're treated fairly, they earn more for what they do. Motor is the way to go, locally owned. If you're using cars to get around, to go to the airport, to do any of the things you need to do, go with Motor. RideMotor.cc, get the app. Just wanted to get that in before we get things started, but now, let's get things started. Here we go. Hello, we're back with I've Known You Too Long. Today, I have a guest that I wasn't sure I was going to get to have on the show, but having him on the show completes the thing that I wanted probably most when I started the show. I wanted all members of this band that was so important to me to have been on their own episodes, and that's what I've got today. I've got Ryan Murphy on the show. Hello, everyone. There he is. I made it. Before I do the signature question... Do people call you Ryan or do they call you Murph? Good question. Um, in the hardcore scene, Murph. All right, it's Murph. In my professional life <laughs> outside, Murph has come around kind of naturally, but most of the time it's Ryan. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. That was and a long-winded answer. I but. guess these days you're probably dealing with people that are talking to you in your professional life yeah. more often. Yeah. But any when you see any old friends, it's Murph. Always. And you're used to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's great. Was it weird? Is it weird if someone calls you Ryan? Yeah, it still kind of is. I'm always like, why? Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Civilians. All right, it's Murph. <laughs> Murph, I've known you too long. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so long, in fact, that I don't actually know. I have a sense, but I don't know exactly the day we met. And you, I know you've listened to the podcast before, so you know what I'm trying to do here. I yeah. want to know the handshake. Oh, man. We'll I, figure out where that is. We'll go back and we'll figure you out. <laughs> but I, 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 don't, I don't know. Maybe we can pinpoint it now. Like we okay. can put the clues together. Do you have any idea? Have you thought? The, only, the best guess I have is, is Lenny's basement. Lenny's basement? Yeah. Okay. So what we're talking about is something that comes up here, actually, every time it's an older North, Northwest guy yeah. or Northwest person. Yeah. Um, the, Lenny's basement had those two shows. Mm-hmm. Basically they were brotherhood and one of them had first step. I think it was the second one. Yeah. Cause the second one was, was also refuse refuse. Right. Yeah. Now, did you actually play that second one? Uh huh. You did. Yeah. I think we got there late. So I came up with those guys first up from Bellingham. Okay. I came down cause it was Bremerton. Right. Yeah, I believe it was March of 89, that second one. And the first one was, uh, I want to say October 88. Okay, and if people have the Brotherhood 7-inch, the picture on the back is from one of those shows. I believe it's from the first one. From the first one. Yeah. That makes sense. So I got introduced to, I mean, I feel like I got introduced to everybody at that show. Yeah. Um, But other than Ron and maybe Kirsten, and I, and I, I think Kirsten, 
but I, I don't know that I remember people specifically from that event. I got to know people a little more in like the year after that. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that could be, <laughs> so. but if you, but so you, you don't remember specifically meeting me there. You just know I was there and I, you were there. I, so I'm kind of like all the evidence suggests that I met you there. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay. So we're not, we're not coming from a place of specific memory. Yeah. Because I can't rely on that very often. It's just not good. (laughs) So if, if we're going to talk about times when we actually saw each other, knew each other, we probably met for the very first time in passing at Lenny's basement. I think so. But it would have been a party hall show, a refuse or, and probably when you guys became undertow, maybe even that first night with john on bass yeah yeah it, when you played at, at the party hall maybe it could have even been just hanging out it could have except i was up in bellingham you were always up there yeah uh, and see. so i'd come down and we'd hang with we'd come down sometimes to go to shows we'd hang with ron and with brian bauer okay um and it would be you know myself or bill or yeah. randy we'd have yeah. val and jen with us sometimes but i don't really remember hanging out i remember hanging out with pettybone but when that happened I already knew you guys. Okay. Knew you enough to know your names. Right. Okay. So it may have been in just real quick passing at Lenny's, like not notable. It counts though. And then. Right. Because if we'd never seen each other again. It could have been official. Like, you know, yeah, maybe a party hall show. Maybe not even one we played. Maybe just. Yeah. And I'd come up to you guys and I'd be like, oh, I got photos. Like I got photos developed. Yeah. From last time you played. Right. And I feel like those were some of the first conversations I ever actually had with you guys where I'd be standing there. And I'd have like a something I got from like a photo mat, and there'd be like you know with my stupid yeah my stupid little instamatic camera, and there'd be twenty awful photos and like two or three kind of decent ones. You yeah, know? yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I mean, because you came down for shows like at Washington Hall, Party Hall, never Washington Hall, never. Okay, no, and it, I just missed them all. Okay, Party Hall almost every time. Yeah, and I mean, we certainly didn't play all those shows, but. We went to those shows, yeah. You know, so it could have just been, who knows, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was quick. Between... Could have been a, a last gas bathroom fee show. Yeah, absolutely, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Because you're talking, we're talking about being in Lenny's basement in '89, and it was '90-'91. We're at the party hall all the time. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. By '90-'91, it was just like, what's up, brother? Yeah. <laughs> all right, and then '92. I'm I'm moving down to Seattle. It was the end of '92, and we were hanging out at that point. Every, yeah, I saw you every few days. When I first met oh, yeah. her, it seemed like yeah. we would go bowling. That's right. One family. Well, we're, <laughs> one family. The okay. U, U Village lanes. Like, so I just went to U Village and was like, holy shit. Wait, is that where that bowling alley was? Yeah, man. It was like super dark and just sketchy, like abandoned. It was like North St. Louis, man. Right. It was like, so, what the fuck? So, and now it's like. <laughs> now it's all. Yuppie Central. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it feels too expensive to walk through there yeah. for me. But. Okay, we don't normally jump ahead, but since we brought up bowling, mm-hmm. <laughs> you and me and Mark Holcomb mm-hmm. and Ron Gardepe. That's right. We used to go bowling. We're the core. Absolutely. The when core. I first moved to Seattle, we would go bowling and it, we it, we went there because I don't know if this is why we went there. Probably we went there because it was closest, but we had to score our own cards. We went there because it was cheap. And it was cheap because we had to score our own cards. We had, I think the, like the, the chain smoking lady that worked there taught us how to keep score. I, I, st- I had learned in high school, but it was a refresher course. To this yeah. day, I'm like, dude, I totally know how to keep score. I totally know. I can do it. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, I can totally do it. 
That was great. I actually prefer it that way. Me too. I totally do. I get it, man. I'm, I'm I love technology and all of it. So we had a blast. We went bowling. We brought Val Wonder along a couple times. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, we you know, we had guest appearances all the time. See Hag, he came to a few. Oh, did he go bowling with us down yeah, there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember he would like throw that bowling ball and almost break everything. It was like, dude, he's got like superhuman strength in that arm. <laughs> that would have put it. I mean, that's still a few months. No, I guess that's about right. Yeah, because he came in early '93. Yeah, I mean. We we lived we yeah. moved into that apartment on a. I was supposed to live with Derek Horn. Okay. And I got I got the switcheroo. Derek Horn moved in with his girlfriend, and I got moved in with Derek Horn's ex girlfriend, mm. Jen Schneeweiss. That's right. Yeah. And that came along with, Seahag. That's right. Which was great. Yeah. <laughs> I love that guy, man. I love the guy too, and and it was an eye opening experience because dude liked to fight. Yeah. And I don't think I had been at that point that, well, it had been a long time. I mean, I knew someone in, you know, early high school, late junior high that liked to fight, but not yeah. quite like this. Not, I'm going to run down there and. I wouldn't even say that Seahag liked to fight. It was just that he was good at it. Okay. Okay. You're right. I don't think he would start a fight with someone that didn't want to fight. Yeah. But he was he wasn't definitely. Like that. He wasn't the type to just go out and start it. Well, were you with us the day when someone was covering up some of his graffiti? No. And he ran down. There was a graffiti wall, and there were like four or five of us walking, and there was a whole group of guys, and he, they were going over something of his. And just by himself, he just ran down there at them. Yeah. And was yelling right in their faces, like challenging them all. That's and awesome. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. This is like, this is graffiti beef. It totally is. <laughs> Got to get him on this show. Yeah, you do. We could talk about all that stuff. Oh, yeah. He's on my list. Nice. All right, let's go backwards like we're supposed to. Yes, okay. All right, where do you come from? I come from North Seattle, baby. Born and raised? <laughs> Born and raised. Like, not far from where we're sitting right now? That's right, Lake Forest Park. Uh, Five-mile radius from here? Yeah, so... Yeah, I was born born here. I think I was actually born at Northwest Hospital, so right by Northgate or whatever. Um, and then, you know, for a brief time, I don't remember it. I was too young. My dad was in the Navy, so we he was stationed down in uh, North Northern California. What is that? Um, Alameda. Okay. Uh, that used to be a naval base where now they, they filmed uh, Mythbusters and all that shit. Oh, when they get out on the big open, yeah, yeah, big yeah. open spot. So we lived there. We lived down there for a couple of years, um, and then moved back up here. Do you, and you don't mm. remember any of that? No, I was too young. Um, but yeah, no, I was. Uh, I guess yeah, preschool, yeah, and then kindergarten all the way through to high school. That was all here. That was all here. Okay, did you live in the same house the entire time? Hey, <laughs> uh, the same property. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. When you say that with a laugh. You... So, uh, yeah, we lived in like this piece of shit, like, like fucking shack that like would shake when trucks would drive by. Oh, wow. If the washer got off cycle, the whole house would shake. So it was a, it was a, but it was a solid structure. It wasn't like a mobile home. No, it wasn't mobile. It was solid structure. It was just fucking like some hillbilly built it, you know, <laughs> in like the fifties and you know, there was no code or something. Um, and yeah, we had like a kerosene heater to like heat the house in the morning. And, uh, you know, I guess when I was about 10, my parents like got their shit together enough to like get a loan and build a new house in the front yard of that old house. Okay. Cause it was a big enough lot. 
Yeah. They could do that. And so as soon as it was done, we just moved everything from the old house into the new house. And then we just basically had like a neighborhood demolition party for like the next month tearing the old one down. Wait, just people came over and just tore the house down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like, like invite my friends over. Let's, let's, we can break down all the walls with sledgehammers. It'll be so much fun. I, you have no idea how much I love that. Yeah, That's it was a dream. Great. You got to do it. I put like on a football helmet. And I'm like, I'm going to run through this fucking wall. I think I gave myself a concussion. Like, <laughs> I, it, I just about knocked myself out. <laughs> like something you saw in a movie. Yeah. I mean, it was like. <laughs> wait, wait, how old were you when you were having the friends over to smash the house? I was 10. I was in ten. Yeah, fourth grade. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so once. Okay. So when a wall comes down. And there's, I'm assuming there's plaster. There's... Oh my God. We found like old newspapers from like the thirties. What you know, stuffed in there is yeah, like. That was the insulation was like oh. newspapers. <laughs> if there was any insulation, you know what I right. mean? It means it was an old house. It was like, basically it should have been boarded up. But So then that what, it would just get loaded on the back of a truck and taken to the dump or. Yeah. I think what? my dad just made like probably close to a thousand trips to the dump, you know, like whatever. <laughs> over What's time. Up, the dump over here and like. In Shoreline, like yeah. there's like that big facility, right? Mm-hmm. Just roll up, back it on up. <laughs> sure. Dump your shit in there. <laughs> it's not cheap. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know how, how much it is to dispose of a house over time. Yeah, who knows, man? I guess back then in the 80s, it was fucking probably not that bad. All right. So I did not see any remnants of that when you were uh, late teens, early 20s. When, oh. when we were like, for example, uh, there was a show. Um, mouthpiece undertow in your garage. Yeah, yeah. At yeah. that point, no, no remnant of the old it's house. It's not true. There is a, there's a, an old cement patio that's still there. It was like the back, the patio off the back door. That's still oh, there. And I wouldn't have known. It, it just, the... <laughs> just looks like a random patio, just like in the middle of this big ass backyard. <laughs> there was a, I remember there was a putting green. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> there was. Holy shit. So, okay. You had an interesting backyard, but that's not that's not abnormal. Yeah, just like, you know, lunatic, you know, suburb dad just going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get to a point at 10 where you were like, well, it's down, the house is down? Or was there a point where it's like, wait, if we take out this last support structure, the roof is going to fall, it's dangerous? Like, at which point was the game over? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't really remember. It was... I don't know. I, I actually... As far as the physical structure coming down, I don't really remember, but I do remember we rented one of those bobcat machines mm-hmm. and basically went crazy, kind of like regrading the whole backyard to make it kind of flat. Oh, once the house was gone. Yeah. And basically like all the, the, the garbage from the old house that was still kind of laying around, littered about, just bury it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So once that was all done, then we just had this big dirt backyard. It was like, okay, it's done. I guess we sure. gotta grow some grass. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was ten. Um, and you went to grade school here. Yeah. What was your, what was your grade school? Lake Forest Park Elementary. Lake Forest Park. Yeah. Uh, do you know anybody from Lake Forest Park? Is there anyone in your life that you know still from then? Um, not in my life. So all my old friends, either I just like we just went our separate ways as we got older, or they they died. Mm-hmm. So I have like quite a few friends from there that like actually died, like drug overdoses and stuff. Oh wow! Yeah, kind of weird, but yeah, yeah, it just that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it keeps, unfortunately, it keeps happening. Yeah, it's yeah, been happening a lot lately. Yeah. Um, 
did did you go to the same uh, junior high and high school with these people? Was it like the yeah. school district lined up that way where yeah. guys you went to kindergarten with you graduated with? Or people? Yes. people yes. You... But I mean, it also was like, like the convergence of a few elementary schools together. Because like Mark, for instance, also lived in the same area, but he right. went to a different elementary school and then we went to the same middle school. Okay, sure. And then it's just like that middle school like was being fed from like two or three elementary schools or something like that. Yep. My, my best friend all through junior high and high school, the guy that I opened the skateboard shop with, he went to a different elementary school and our schools were enemies. Ah. <laughs> so when we, we had to get over that. When, yeah. When we first became friends in, in, uh, oh, I remember in sixth that. grade. I remember that. They, they closed an elementary school, like up in Horizon View or something like that. And they had to come to my elementary school and we're like, yo, we're not going to be friends with those Horizon View kids. We're going <laughs> to fuck them up. <laughs> I was like part of like the thug, the thug middle, like elementary school. Were you like fourth grade? Oh my God. We were like in first grade or second grade. Those are the others. You already got that going. Those are the others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No. Yeah. From day one. Yeah. Day one. (laughs) So, so you fought in grade school. Yeah. Did you, did you fight a lot? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What was your first fight? Ooh. Probably. And is it, is your first fight prior to grade school? No. Okay. No. So you got, they've got to put you among the other yeah, wild I to, kids. I had to mingle with the other wild animals basically. <laughs> and like, no, I don't fucking like you. And so it was probably <laughs> like, I think first grade, I got no, I know in a physical altercation with another kid. And like, we went rolling, tumbling down some hill and, you know, basically just like, just grappling from the start. Yeah, just like, you know, we're just like, I don't know. We didn't, and we're first graders. So <laughs> sure, just like sure. flailing like <laughs> lunatics. <laughs> Nothing's actually getting accomplished. You're just like going crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I was getting in trouble. Like basically, yeah, first day of kindergarten. You got, you got, that was a fight or you got in trouble? Trouble. What did you do? So, so there was this. You remember your first day of kindergarten. And it was notable. Okay. So, um, I'm in kindergarten. Like, I don't know any kids, like, so we're all, like, getting to know each other. This kid, Ryan Bevington, he came up and was like, hey, your name's Ryan. So is mine. We should be friends. And it's, like, kindergarten logic takes over. Like, totally. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> and so we, like, you know, we're friends now because we have the same name. And then he's like, hey, you want to come to my house after school? I just, I live right up the road. And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? So we're, we're walking. And keep in mind, I'm first day of kindergarten. And yeah. my mom has no idea. This is, I guess, 1979. Right, right. And my mom doesn't know. I don't have a cell phone, right? <laughs> um, is she thinking you're coming home on the bus or she's going to pick you up? I, I would walk to school. You would, okay, you were walking even at kindergarten. You were close enough to walk. Yeah, and, and, and but she's expecting to meet me Yeah, down the, the, on the corner, right? How was your first day of school, Ryan? Right, and I don't show. So oh, she's no. flipping out. And so Ryan Bevington and I, we get to like the crosswalk and he's like, hey, you want to jaywalk? And I'm like, hell yeah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> and so we start crossing the street in front of the crossing guard, right? It's like the sixth grader. They get the crossing guard. Yeah. <laughs> and like, hey, what's your name? You're going to be put on report or whatever they say. And, you know, we just turn around. Fuck you is my name, asshole. Suck it. And wait, just, so you said, so you're five. Yeah. And we and just you said, fuck you to the crossing guard. Yeah. And. <laughs> So we're just like, and we're laughing. We're like, dude, you were the coolest. You know, you're the coolest, you know, because we, we just knew all the swear words and we had the same first name and <laughs> all the shit that kindergarten, kindergartners are looking out for, right? 
in best friends and so i go to his house we're playing he's got all these toys he's got this awesome house i'm like i never want to leave you know (laughs) i don't want to go back to my shack right (laughs) and uh so finally i'm like i should probably go home and so i'm I'm like walking home Mm -hmm. i think ryan's mom was just like does your mom know you're here and i'm like no and so she's like oh my god you know so we figured it out Mm -hmm. i get home i'm in like a bunch of fucking trouble what time is it now it's probably like you know like four o'clock four thirty something like that um yeah i was in uh, my mom's screaming she's hysterical and then not only that the school figured out who we were and i was on in school restriction is what they called it and i I wasn't allowed to go to recess for the first week of kindergarten because of what we did to the crossing guard (laughs) and it's like there there was no hey you're new here you don't know how stuff works but they they hit you right off the bat yeah yeah it Ooh. was like, we actually, we we got to go outside, but we had to stand against a wall and watch all the other kids play. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> wow. So wait, so that was better than just staying in or it was actually worse to have to stand yeah, against I, the wall? Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I just remember being pissed off. I'm like, what the fuck? This yeah. is, oh, fuck the man. The you 70s, know, that, man. That was the it. The 70s. Was... So you, man, okay, you are out the gate so much earlier than everybody else. <laughs> So like you know all the questions that I ask about this. When did you <laughs> when did you hear music for the first time that mattered to you? Yeah. So I mean I don't know what year it was. It was in the seventies, and I remember I just told my parents. I mean maybe before kindergarten. Yeah. I mean Kiss. Kiss. I, Kiss. For me, I was like I don't know what this is, but it's freaking me out, and I love it. You know. I mean I'm like a little kid, and I'm just like seeing this makeup, and it's kind of evil, and I'm like yes. So where are you seeing it? TV? Uh, I, I think I just hear it on the radio. My dad yeah. would like listen to like the rock stations. Okay. So you, you know? had a dad, your dad listened to rock. Yeah. 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 Um, totally. And um, I, I don't know where I actually saw it. I think he, I think they maybe like rented some, you know, beta max tape or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I don't, I don't know the year, the timing, but I remember seeing it and like, or so, maybe I was at a record store and I saw the album mm-hmm. and was like, yeah, that is so cool. Right. And, uh, so, I think... Well, it could have even been... That's the thing, though. Like, department stores that you'd go to with your mom would have a record yeah, section. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, uh, like, like the drugstore had yeah. records, you know yeah. what I mean? Down at, like, the Lake Forest Park Town Center or whatever the fuck it is. Um, so, yeah, I think mean, the shit was everywhere. And, and so, Kiss, that was, like, it. And I remember... I think it was like Christmas, 1979. I'm like, I just want... I want this Kiss record. I want this Kiss record. I'm like, don't give me anything else. And I got Kiss Dynasty... It was my first vinyl 12 inch record. Nice. And so it came out, it was this awesome poster I put up on the wall, you know, and it was just like, it was cool, right? That means kind of like, did you have a record? That record player? now, I go back in time and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of getting into the disco yeah, kiss yeah. era, but I'm like, I dig it. You, you know? didn't necessarily know at yeah, the time. Th- as a kid, I'm just like, this looks cool. It sounds no, cool. No, wait, wait, was that the record where they changed? I don't know if that was the official, that was like it. That well, was there the were people point, were really but, upset. Yeah, of course they were. I was, I was like five. I was just cool with it, you know. Like, <laughs> did so you played on your dad's record player, your mom's record player? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my dad. So had, they had that stuff. Yeah, my dad had a record player. He, he had some. He had. He had a few cool records. He had like some Boston Gatefold LPs, mm-hmm. you know, shit like that. Um, and it wasn't like a that big, was a big mu- one for Mark Holcomb. He wasn't a big music guy, my dad, but he was just enough of a music guy to have a cool few things laying around, you know. Yeah. So kiss and that's, so that's a, that's a way in for a lot of people. So that's how you, and you wanted rock. You wanted crazy. Yeah. I wanted like, I don't know. Yeah. I wanted like 
There was just something about it. I was drawn to it. It was like, it was loud. It was just, it seemed cool. It was, I don't know. I guess it was kind of glamorous, right? Like, sure. just kind of like, whatever that is, I want some, you know? After Kiss, what's the next band that you related to? Oh, man. I think after that was probably, <laughs> it's like embarrassing to admit, but it's true. Probably Motley Crue. Yeah? Shout out the devil. Well, that's not, not at yeah. all. That was a huge, Um, you're a little the the timing is right because I remember I was in junior high yeah. when that when that made an impact and people were losing their minds over it and I was totally not allowed. Well, you know, I wasn't supposed to yeah. have anything like that. My, I, mean, I was still definitely in the whole church mode of yeah, my life. I, I mean, definitely like I think like Black Sabbath that I, that I, I never was like really like oh blown away by it. Like I am now. I listen to it now. I'm like Jesus, they were so ahead of their time, right? But um, back then I was just kind of like. Eh, you know, it's pretty good. It's kind of like Iron Man, right? That that was just, you're a kid, and you're like, yeah. that's so cool, right? Yeah. Um, But then when, like, that Shout Out the Devil came out, that was like, holy shit, fuck yes, dude, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it was like... <laughs> nothing to do with that you know yeah it, it was it i it appealed to me in my they've got that pentagram in the video and right that, yeah mm. yeah <laughs> and it was like it was like heavy it was kind of heavy sure. right sure so yeah so that that was the next kind of big kind of that was the next big musical kind of i guess draw for me and was it always like heavy rock bands was there ever anything outside of that that you liked when you were younger yeah yeah I mean, uh, what's an embarrassing, like light one? Oh my God. It's not, I'm not embarrassed by it. I totally admit it openly and freely. I'm out of the closet on it. The cure, like. <laughs> oh, see. Okay. So Mar now people, if they just listened to Mark's episode, that just got put up before this one. Uh, he thought he was going to be, you know, that the band might be kind of like the cure at some point. And I thought he said that you were the one that said, nope. Yeah, that no, I definitely, I, I I don't remember like an exact conversation, but I remember that sentiment, if that makes sense. Sure. And I do remember like, nope, no interest in playing music like that. But you did like them back then. I did like that music. Yeah. Were you, were you keeping it a secret? No. Okay. So it was never, so you're out of the closet, but you're not, you weren't in the closet. Yeah. I mean, it was like, that's like music. Um, I don't know. I think even back then before I really understood like emotions really you mm -hmm. know what i mean and like how you can connect with emotions through music or whatever right i'm totally getting new agey but oh good do it um you know I, I, even before i really had a grasp on that i think like you know the cure was something like i'm gonna listen to when i want to think about a girl i got a crush on or you know what i mean oh yeah and uh, <laughs> it's like but when i play the drums that i'm just learning how to play i want to beat the fuck out of something <laughs> right and right the cure is not appropriate for that <laughs> no, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Um, but I want to talk about it for a minute because yeah. I I discovered the Cure in junior high. Did you when when did you Is first it, hear the Cure? Uh, it was sometime in in elementary school. So there was this weird like network that, and I don't really know the lineage of this network, but I've kind of pieced it together through the years. So. I was friends with these older kids. Like one kid was a year older than me and his older brother was like two or three years older. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe, maybe even, I don't know. So the older brother that Jim Stevens was his name. Right, he beat me up once because I threw a tennis ball at him and hit him in a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I deserved it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to hit him there, but yeah, he meant to beat me up. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so... 
he went to school with Greg Anderson. Okay. So we all grew up. I, I didn't know Greg at this time, but Greg is from the same area. And you know how it is. You're in school. You give tapes of music to the civilians that show some interest. You know, sure. It happens, right? Yeah. So I don't really know. We'd have to like get verification with Greg or something. But my suspicion is that Greg was feeding some dudes that he went to school with some music. Right. And I would get the hand-me-downs of that. Okay. So I. So there was a network of people that were recording the tapes. So you were getting like, what, like fourth generation? So Steve, Steve Stevens, Jim's brother that was a year older than me, who I was really good friends with, um, he would be like, yo, you got to hear this new band I got. And, and he would always, he would just say, you got to hear this new band I got. And, you know, I'm like, where did you get this? He's like, oh, my brother got it from a friend of his. That's it. And that's where it ended. Right. So over the years, I think about that. What, who the fuck was giving him tapes of like angry Samoans and SSD and minor threat <laughs> no, and the dude. misfits? <laughs> you know, these are like some of the first mixtapes I had were all these bands and, and, you know, in like, you know, Celtic Frost, you know, and I'm shit that I'm like, fuck. Wait, I, wait, how old when you get the first one? I was like in third grade. Third grade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's huge. So that would have been like 83, I think for me. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I was getting all this stuff. I didn't know what it meant. I just knew that it was blowing my mind. Right. And I'm like, this is just incredible. Like, how can I see these bands, you know? And, uh, so I, I suspect all the evidence suggests (laughs) that we have Greg Anderson to thank for handing down this music that filtered its way to me. It sounds, (laughs) it fits and unless unless we have an unknown animal, right? Like some guy that was spreading this music that then moved away, right? Who we don't know because he never was part of our scene once it was yeah. a scene, and that's a possibility, right? Of course. But yeah. you, but but why would you suppose this shadow figure, right? When you have someone who was doing that I sort already, of thing, I already got evidence to support my hypothesis, man. Right. <laughs> it's probably a bear. Why are we talking about Bigfoot? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Because <laughs> I like to talk about Bigfoot every I know, day. I know you do. There is the possibility that there was... Th- there are p- there have to be players in this story that we don't even know they were players. Like, they, families move. Pe- people yeah. move around. A lot of these podcasts, people, oh, I moved there in the sixth grade. Yeah. My dad got a job and he moved us up from here or there, right? They left a place. A scene came up there. Those people have their stories. Yeah. And they're a part of it, but in a whole different way, you know? So, yeah, totally. So, yeah, maybe Greg. Maybe Greg. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Probably Greg. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's just what I think. But, uh, yeah. So, third grade, that's where I got turned on to uh, the punk rock. Wow. That's yeah. so... Okay. Well, Sex Pistols, too. Oh, so... Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, now... Okay. So, I'm dragging the memory. So, Sex Pistols, I gotta admit huge influence so when you heard that you knew it was different even yeah. though you'd heard some of this other stuff yeah but the sex pistols to me it was just like you know i'm i'm in the third grade it's like 1983 mm-hmm. and i hear i want to i want to be an anarchist you know like all that shit and yep. i'm like oh now did you hear God. the whole classic never mind the bullocks record yeah. or did you just hear one song yeah i think that actually may have been the second album i ever received nice yeah i mean i, I just tell my parents like just buy me that he, and they brought me this. And were know? they like sex pistols? What? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think they're just kind of like, oh, whatever. You know? So I think I had a cassette, but it didn't say. Like, I might have like even like penned over the name of the band on it so that it wouldn't get discovered oh, really? in my room kind oh, of thing. Because yeah, yeah. at that point, I 
was hiding. Like I watched my older brother and my parents fight over all the music that he listened to, but he liked to turn up the music really loud. Yeah. So everyone in the house had to hear it through the walls, right? Yeah. And they it drove him crazy and it was 70s rock and yeah. it was, you know, it was a nightmare, like a horrible <laughs> thing that had me upset. So as soon as I started getting into music that I knew would upset them, I would just mislabel the tapes, always listen to headphones. I went totally the other way. I never wanted them to hear what I was actually hearing. <laughs> so there'd be no questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and that every once in a while, like a headphone would get unplugged or something and I'd have it up while I was doing my homework. And all of a sudden there'd be this screaming, yelling, and I'd be like, oh, come on, just, I got to get the headphones plugged back in before someone curses. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. I never worried about that. I just, I don't know. Do you remember Zig Zig Sputnik? Of course. I have one of the records. Uh, Okay, so, <laughs> so you know the song from Ferris Bueller's. Yes. But I had, so it was that song, but on their LP. Yeah, shoot it up. Well, okay, so that's the thing. I'm thinking I'm safe. I'm listening to that one day. My dad comes in and he's like, what is he singing about? <laughs> it's drugs, right? Shoot up. And I was like, this, it's, the song is called Something Something Missile. Like, shoot the missile yeah. up. And he kind of just like narrows his eyes and looks at me and like walks out of the room. Like, oh, I have to hide. I have to hide everything. Yeah. Like, nothing is that you know is, I, i'm literally in high school at this point and i'm still that's one of my fears because i saw that happen with them you know with them and my older brother that is crazy yeah no man i literally i never had to worry about that my parents just didn't give a yeah, shit. yeah i had very i yeah. guess i mean there was a lot of religion yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know that happens I you guess. had none of that huh no we you didn't go to church that. no i got i got sent home from you, you did go to church they, they sent me to like a you go to like the Bible camp things in the summer. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, they sent me to one in like up in Mount Lake Terrace or something, and basically like yeah, I was. Like, and you had never been exposed to, to Sunday school. No. So was it weird when they started talking to you about that stuff? Yeah, I think I remember. Like I was, it was like art time or something. I was drawing a picture, and I drew a picture, and I think I wrote like like you know like. ACDC and like <laughs> you basically even... did some Beavis and Butthead sketches yeah totally did and they were just like that's not appropriate and I was like why not these are my favorite bands you know and they're like well that is you know that's you know whatever they said that that's that's just not God's way or something I'm like well fuck God's way then like <laughs> give a fuck mm. I like these guys and, and I so I, they said can you come pick up your kid yeah I yeah I mean I, I didn't go back after that I don't I mean I, I they never said anything that I just we just didn't go back. Okay. I think they must have talked to my mom. My mom was probably just like, oh, fuck you too. You know, my kid's not an asshole. You are, you know? Right. Okay. <laughs> they had your back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Loyal to a fault, right? Like any good parent. So d did you have girlfriends? You're doing everything else in, in grade school. Did not you have girlfriends? Not really, man. No, that was, that was a tough nut to crack. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, lots of crushes, but yeah, no, I never really had a girlfriend in grade school. Okay. Um, Did you first get interested in The Cure because you knew a girl was interested in The Cure? Yeah, at a babysitter. Babysitter that listened to The Cure. Yeah. Now listen, that sounds in a way judgmental. That sounds <laughs> like I'm I'm being demeaning in some way. No. Women in my <laughs> life turned me on to fantastic music that I would have otherwise not given any any. I wouldn't just listen to it. I wouldn't have, you know, I've been like, oh, it's not for me. I knew a girl that I had a crush on. She used to write the names of bands on her shoes. Yeah. yeah. And I'd be like, what's that say? And it gave me a reason to talk to her. Yeah. And she'd be like, oh, this says Jesus and Mary chain. This says, uh, da -da -da. I'd be like, oh, I haven't heard that, but I'd go listen to him. Yeah. When I got, you know, the video would come on 120 minutes or something. I'd yeah, be like, yeah. oh, oh, I gotta listen to this because she had it written on her shoes. <laughs> or, you know, that was a way 
to start conversations. And I'm like, oh. And right. then it's like, oh, no, wait, this has enriched my life because I love The Cure yeah. so much. And then it's then it became its own thing, you know? Yeah. And then, I get it. Yeah. And it, for whatever reason, there were not uh, any women in my life then that brought me heavy music. Right. It was always the guys. I think that's maybe just because there's just different appeals in general. Yeah. And that probably isn't the same now. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's But you and I now. are talking about the late 70s and the early 80s. So we're in another era. Yeah, I mean, different we, generation. Certainly, everybody was saying shit. If you could go back and hear the conversations we had on any any day. Oh, yeah. We're just, we were just awful people. Yeah. And everyone around us was just, just awful people. Watch any of the movies from that era. There you go. It's like, I can't believe Porky's was an actual movie. That would <laughs> never come out today. No, everybody loves the Warriors. But right <laughs> off the bat, the yeah. dude's saying awful yeah. awful shit i know right like it just doesn't fly today yeah it's just different it's a different you know i'm not saying it's bad now it's probably for the best but you know no it is i think it's yeah it's we're i believe we're evolving into being better people <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i don't know about you and i although i will say that the fact that we're having this kind of conversation about it um, yeah, this isn't the kind of convert we would, our younger selves would probably look up at us and just be like, what the fuck? Yeah. You fucking losers. <laughs> but the younger people now yeah. for everything we look down our nose at them, yeah. they have, they are setting new standards yeah, for the totally. society they want to live in. And yeah. I'm into that. Yeah, absolutely. definitely. Yeah. Um, progress. progress. And I will eventually be the well-meaning guy who still doesn't know the right words to use. You know? Yeah, of course. I know. Yeah. My father tries real hard, but sometimes he just says the worst stuff yeah. and we all yell at him and he's just like, what? That's the, I thought that was the nice thing to call them. And we're like, okay, them. Let's just start with that. Yeah. Like you don't need to call them, anyone, anything. <laughs> That's right. So, oh my God. Yeah. Without, without going too much in detail there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So let's, let's take it. So you've done just about it. Did you skateboard? Yeah, I did. When did you start skateboarding? Oh, that must have been probably around hmm, 85. I got 85, 86. Yeah, fifth, sixth grade. Going, you, you skateboarded going into junior high. Yeah. Real board? My first skateboard was a, a GSD. GSD? Yeah, remember? remember GSD? No. Yeah. GSD. I don't know. I went to Fallout. I mean, my mom dropped. Oh, you, down wait. To you got a skateboard to Fallout? Yeah. Okay. Totally fine. Yeah. I and mean, I might. I might be. GSD was the company. No. Like I. Oh God. I. I. <laughs> I, I fail. Give me a big F. I don't remember. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Do but you Do you remember I, your trucks or your wheels? Oh uh, no, I don't. You got a complete setup at Fallout. Yeah. I so did. you probably got. It was probably a fine board. Yeah. I mean, it, it, was it wasn't great. a GNS. No, no, no. Okay. Like, so there was some skateboard and, and whoever the dude was, like the initials were GSD. It was called oh, okay. the GSD. And I just remember thinking like, ooh, that's good. That's trippy. Do you remember yeah. what the what the graphics looked like? No, I just remember they thought, thought they looked trippy. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, definitely wasn't straight edge at this time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm talking about fifth grade, but. Fifth grade, but yeah. you were, so you were, you were drinking? I never really drank. Did you did you smoke weed? Yes. First day of school, fifth grade was the first time I smoked weed. So you had smoked cigarettes before that? I tried them, but hated them. So hate my, my parents were like chain smokers and I always mm -hmm. hated it. I was like, God, geez, that's right. disgusting. And so I just, I tried it and it's like, yeah, nah, that's just as fucking gross as smelling it. You know? Sure. 
Sure. That's just how I felt about it. So who do you smoke weed with in the fifth grade? And I, here's, I, I knew kids that smoked weed in the fifth grade. I yeah. think that's a that's a 70s and early 80s thing. Yeah. It's not that weird. So there was like the town, Lake Forest Park, the town weed dealer. <laughs> and he and rode, smoking weed with fifth graders? He rode his 10-speed around and he was known because he would he could ride a wheelie on his 10-speed. Like everyone knew. Like I, I don't even know if I should say his name. He might come and find me. Don't and me say up. his name. Don't give him a fake name, but yeah. dude Oh, what an incredible image. Yeah. So he's on a 10, he's, so, he's doing a wheelie around town on a 10 speed delivering the, the goods. Yeah, I, I, and I, and I believe he was Greg Anderson's age <laughs> because I think, so I pieced this together. Cause like, I know, I, I think Greg was like four years ahead of me. So I never went to high school with him. By the time I was okay. a freshman, he had already, gra- he gr- just graduated high school. Right. And, um, Larry, uh, Gary Adrock. <laughs> fake name <laughs> he was a second year senior when i was a freshman and okay I'm like, holy shit that's him right years later so um yeah gary adrock would like he, he would just ride around lake force park pop riding wheelies on this 10 speed in a mickey mouse shirt and and literally he was like the meanest dude on the planet i thought and like we just found him and we like kind of pooled our money together. Me, Ryan Bevington. Oh, so you knew that you wanted to do this. Yeah. It was a big plan. And what made you decide to make that plan? I don't know. It's just like, we're just like delinquent Like kids. we got to do this. This is on the list. I, it wasn't so much. It was on the, I mean, maybe it was kind of like that. It was just kind of like, I don't know. We were delinquents. We were just like suburbanite bored kids that didn't had, we had no interest in like hanging out with the other kids to play sports. Right. Right. You know, didn't do any of that. We just run around, like, you know, scoot around on skateboards and. Yeah. So you, you know. never played any sports? I did. I mean, I played baseball on like a little league team. Um, I wrestled. Um, I just. Not, you wrestled at, at what age? Uh, that was, that was, that was in, uh, yeah, middle school. Well, let's talk about that because I, I will be able to, to, I also wrestled in junior high. So yeah. we can definitely, we can. Compare so, some notes. Yeah, that that was. Little. But right now you're smoking weed in the fifth grade. Yeah. So right now I'm just doing whatever I can to kind of just you know be that delinquent. And uh, I mean we we're just like we're rowdy kids. You know we didn't like people telling us what to do. So how um, much did you spend? Oh, I don't remember. I honestly I don't know. You don't know how much you bought or how much you spent. Don't remember. Do you remember how you smoked it? Yeah. How I did smoked you smoke it in the garage of the kid down the street? Don't remember his name. And it, we just all stood in a circle. And, and Gary Adrock would, uh, he, he, Oh wait, so the guy helped you do it. He insisted he smoke it with us. Like he was just that much of a bully. <laughs> Not only did we buy it from him. Wait, you him, bought it from him, but he got to use yes, some. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. And also, I mean, there had to be a teaching element there. Yeah. 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 What so, did you smoke it out of? A pipe. His like, pipe? Yeah. It, I think it was, I think it was his because he, he didn't show you guys how to use a can. I think he realized we didn't have anything to smoke it with. So he uh. was like. You fucking losers, you little shits. <laughs> He's like, I get the first rip. <laughs> okay, so then you're, you're going to smoke it at his pipe. He didn't like say, like, here's how to use an apple. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. He wasn't nice. He wasn't going to teach us anything. <laughs> God. Um, oh, what an amazing character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so did you did he, did he you feel any effect from it? Not really. I mean, I, got, I think I went home and it was kind of like, I don't know if I feel anything, you know. That's what a lot of people yeah. report. Yeah. And then, and you know. Did you continue? Uh, yeah. It wasn't like very consistent though. It was kind of like, hey, we're like in fifth grade, dude. We don't like all these resources and connections. Yeah. So it was like, 
But very shortly after that, people in my life started trying to figure out how to get stuff all the time. Yeah. So it was like, probably, it was probably seventh grade. Seventh grade is when everything kind of kicked off. Yeah. And got rolling. Yeah. It sounds Um, about right. Everything, everything kicked off where you're getting yourself into some real trouble. Yeah. Well, so you go to junior high. What changes for you uh, when you, because you've done everything. I mean, you've done all the stuff already. It seems like. Well, so. Yeah, uh, so I don't know. Kind of like from fifth, fifth and sixth grade was kind of just like you know pretty typical. I'm just always in trouble. I'm mm-hmm. always like getting like suspended and whatever. And then uh, for fighting or just like telling the teacher to fuck off or whatever I'm doing. And did you then, did you win all the fights? No, not all. You weren't you weren't scratched. So, I, I you, definitely got beat up plenty of times. So you were just and it, but you see it sounds like you're a guy that didn't didn't really learn his lessons. No, God no. Yeah. It's just not, there, there's no, a lot, sometimes when people tell these stories, that kind of is what ends up being the part of it. But it sounds like for you, it was more of like, this is who I am. And if you there's lines you can't cross with me or it's just going to go that way. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, like a, I'm too young to really know how to deal with any emotions. Um, I didn't really, I mean, my parents, I don't want to paint a bad picture about them, but I mean, they didn't, they weren't like great at, you know, giving me guidance. Right. You know, I think my dad would just be like, just don't get caught throwing the first punch. You know what I mean? Like yeah, sure. that kind of advice. Um, no, my dad's advice was don't fight, but if you do win. Yeah. You know, you know? I mean, it's that kind of stuff. You hit them when they're down. There are no rules in a fight. Right. That, that's the kind of yeah. That, that's what I grew up in within my head. Yeah, you know. I mean, the, yeah, that's pretty much the same advice I get. So I mean, whatever. You know, it's, I'm kind of like at this point, you know, whatever. Um, I I didn't have like my parents weren't good role models. Okay, I'll say that. That's no, fair, no, no, right? I I don't. I, you know, don't. I hope you don't think I'm trying to get to the bottom of your issues because I don't, I don't think you have any necessarily. I just no. I'm just trying to. Fig- I like yeah, to yeah. figure out. You know. No, no, no. What what where where everybody so where everybody comes from in yeah, my life? I think so. Uh, a turning point, I think, and not, a, not maybe not a turning point, but I guess a pivotal moment, anyways, was summer between sixth and seventh grade. And were you going from sixth into it? So into that was okay. School. You didn't have a six, seven, eight. No. Okay. Sixth grade was the end of grade school, and then seventh grade start of middle school. Okay. And uh, so me and uh, one of my friends were were out riding our bikes around, and uh. And just so we were just riding, we're at like like Forest Park Elementary School, just like trying to bunny hop curbs, whatever we're doing, right? And we notice the doors open to one of the buildings, and we're like, "Yo, let's go in." <laughs> right? Why wouldn't we? Yeah, there's <laughs> a door like, open. I mean, I'm like seriously, I'm like, what the fuck? What? You know, like the adult me is like, if I saw a kid, I'm like, why do you think it's okay to just go into a fucking building? <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to be in there, but. I did because like it it was open like yeah. well, you know they should have locked it you know <laughs> whatever so we go in we like totally trash the place oh so once you're in you're like let's break stuff yeah break stuff steal stuff piss on stuff um, <laughs> oh no and then we like run around to this other courtyard and we took some of the markers we'd stolen we're putting graffiti on the wall and then like I go to ride my bike around the corner again and I see there's a cop sitting on a curb and I'm like oh fuck. So I go back where I'm hidden out of sight and I tell I tell my friend, I'm like, yo, there's a cop over there. We got to be quiet and ride the other way and get around the corner. So we're riding real quiet, get around the corner. 
and we started to dump all this stuff we stole and there was a cop waiting on that side we were totally trapped oh they they knew you were in there yeah and so uh we got caught we got arrested and basically he was so, my friend was so freaked out you know that it was like my parents are gonna kill me they're gonna kill me they're gonna kill me and i'm like don't worry about it i'll take the blame i was like my parents they might kill me, but they might not. What I don't. What do, what do I care? You know, this is just another thing I'm in trouble for. Oh God! So we're down at like the Lake Forest Park Police Station, and um, you know, I'm like, I, I'm, you know, I'm covered in like piss because they made us go in and clean up our piss. Like I think the cops were just trying to torture us, right? Oh. So I'm like, can I just wash my hands? The cops blowing smoke on my face It's like totally like I'm seen from a movie, right? Yeah. They're putting words in my mouth for my statement, and uh. Like, you used a crowbar to get in. I'm like, no, the door was open. You know, and it, that shit, something like that it was really messed up, actually. So, um, I go into the bathroom and my friend's in there. And I'm like, what'd you tell him? He's like, what'd you tell him? So we're, we're, we're getting our story straight. And, <laughs> and they were, what are they recording you in there? Probably. <laughs> and so come out. And so they, they really kind of like threw the book at us and like charged us with like a felony. Um, it was like some kind of like a second degree felony or something. Like, basically, I was looking at spending my entire two years of middle school in juvenile hall where, you know, I probably would I'd have a much different outcome. Yeah. And then I wouldn't, you know. So, um, we just got court-appointed lawyers. And then I remember I was in seventh grade, school had started, and I had to go, like, go out of school to, for my court appearance. And we got the charges dropped to, like, four misdemeanors. Yeah. And I think because the cops pulled so much shady shit. That like basically it was like yeah you guys fucked up and you and you were reporting it yeah you were like hey, here's what the cops did yeah because they didn't know they were dealing with someone who was much more advanced <laughs> <laughs> I had some some con tools in me man um, so yeah that was kind of like you know I thought I was like kind of getting my shit together I'm in seventh grade you know I'm trying to you know you're not going to jail. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. I'm trying to like. I'm gonna be on the straight and narrow. But then I'm like. I'm, then I'm like. Oh. What did your parents do about it? I think my dad like kind of just you know he whipped me across the ass in the back with like his belt. You know, called me a piece of shit. I'm just a dirty criminal. And, oh Jesus! You know, All right, real, so there was some. There was some real loving. You know. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, so I was whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I was kind of traumatized at the time. Like right now, I'm like whatever. Um, so. You know, I'm in school, and then after that, I'm like, yeah, fuck, I got off. I, whew, you know, I don't have to go to juvie. That's fucking great. Um, I just got to do community service. And so from that point on, it's kind of like, yeah, cool, whatever. I'm good. You were you were not going to cause trouble. Yeah, No, I'm like, it's cool. I can cause trouble now. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Like, I got away with some shit. I didn't go to jail. <laughs> you didn't think about the fact that you already had a record and that you would, they would come down harder on you the next time? Yeah, I just had to try much, that much harder to not get caught, you know? <laughs> So, yeah. So I, you're saying is there are, there's some unsolved mysteries out there. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, it was mostly just like, um, you know, buying acid or weed and uh, stuff like that. Okay. So you progressed up. When did you do acid for the first time? Ah, uh, that must've been it's probably the end of seventh grade. I don't remember. I mean, was, before high school. Oh yeah. I oh yeah, yeah. I don't know that I knew any kids that Cause did I acid was, in junior I high. was straight edge freshman year of high school. Okay, you'd already gone through. I think it's hard for people to understand. Like I tell, I tell people, oh, I've you know I'm clean and sober for for thirty years. Yeah, it's thirty years this year. Yeah, nice. And they're like, they'll look at me like, how? No, what are you talking about? You know, like so your whole life, I'm like no. 
people that don't know me or know yeah. anything about me, you know, like I was working in a casino. People try to buy me drinks, stuff. Right. Oh, I don't drink. Sometimes they want to know the story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I was 16. Right. Like I had done everything I was going to do. Yeah. I was done yeah. at 16. Yeah, totally. And it blows people's minds. Like, how did you even know at the time? You know, that's not, hey, I was on a different path. Yeah. But kids now, I don't think that's what kids that age are doing. Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. Who knows? I just don't know if they let them out. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that. I think they're just doing shit online. But you can't, you know, until they can deliver drugs online. Yeah, yeah, probably. So anyways, going back to like the seventh grade kind of thing, like that's kind of where I was just kind of like, you know, fuck the world, man. Like, I I don't give a shit. You became a total nihilist. Yeah, I'm like, I I got through it. You want to be anarchy. Yeah, I'm like, "Ah, let's do it, man. Give me the drugs. So uh, what was the first time you did acid? What? When was the first time? When? So I believe that what I think I, I, I want to say it was the very end of seventh grade. And you don't remember the, the event? It, I do remember um, leading up to it because there's a big plan. So me and another friend, um, we had been we'd save our lunch money. So our mothers would give us two dollars for lunch every single day. Uh-huh. And so basically just wouldn't eat. Like I'd go all day, didn't wouldn't eat any food throughout the day. And like, you know, it's two bucks a day. It adds up. And so we, until, and we had enough, there was like some pizza hut delivery driver that we heard would sell us a sheet of acid. So we saved up with, uh, another friend of ours. It was his stepbrother until we had enough for a full sheet. And how much was that? I don't remember, man. Okay. I think it might, it might be like 50 bucks or something. <laughs> All right. You know, for like 1987, you know. How many doses on a sheet? <sighs> Is either, I think it was like 50 or a hundred. Yeah. It was. A multiple of 10. I don't okay. know. Fuck. There's a lot. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. That was uh, interesting. <laughs> so, you you went in with like four guys? Three of us. Three of you? Yeah. Yeah. And then actually, Ryan, the other dude from kindergarten, he, uh, at some point, he had some connect in like, in that, in eighth grade. So, we had, we got it more regularly. How long did a sheet of acid last you? I don't know. I think it was it was quite a while because I mean, with, at, yeah, I think it was in, in the seventh grade, and we we didn't like I don't remember actually like having to save money to like buy any more until like eighth grade. Okay, so you don't really remember much about the first time you smoked weed. Do you remember much about the effect of acid on you the first time? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> and you were like, "This is great. I want to do more." So it was great at first, but like so. I think, I think I had a bad trip every single time I did it. Really? Yeah. Like it would be awesome for a while, but then like the night would come and I'd be like in my room and I'd like, I can hear my inside slowing. I'm going to die. You know what I mean? It's like the, the, you know, the clock churning and it's just like, it's slowing incrementally (laughs) until I fall asleep (laughs) and die. So you were not, it wasn't good for you. No, it really wasn't. I mean, there was some shit, like I still remember, like I remember, so I got kicked off the school bus in middle school for fighting on it. And so I like, I literally had to walk like three miles to school every day and three miles home. Like it was a fucking nightmare. I don't believe I even did it. Like, you know what I mean? Right. But you did it all the time. But I would do it and I'd be like high as shit. And I'd be like, you know, like, dude, are there fucking, I, I just heard a pterodactyl, you know, like. <laughs> so they kick you off the school bus for fighting and you're walking yeah. and you went, you were just going to school on acid. Yeah. 
In junior high. Oh, yeah. I, I okay. mean, I remember just, like, sitting in, like, a history class and, like, thinking everyone's, like, staring at me. Like, and I'm like, what the fuck? Quit looking at me, you know? But they weren't looking at me. I was just, like, totally freaked out. Wow. Yeah. Now, did you, did you try to make it so that it was like that every day? Or did you have days where you weren't on anything where you were like, I don't know what I'm thinking? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, like, every day. But, I mean, there were days where, like, if it wasn't in my system, I'd just kind of be like, oh, dude, I got, yeah, I don't know. Like. I can't do that anymore. I can't do it anymore. Like, I don't like the way I feel, you know? Yeah. It freaks me out. How, how did that lead to you becoming a drummer? Uh, I guess. Or did it? it? I think I think it was that summer between seventh and eighth grade. I somehow convinced my parents to buy me some clunky ass used drum set. And it wasn't for a specific cause. It was just you thought I should start drumming. Yeah. I was like, I just think if I had something to do, maybe I'll really like it. And, you know, it'd be great if you guys would support me. You know, that that type of thing. And you uh, never played any other instruments? Mm-mm, never. And so they, they, they bought me this drum set. And I literally, like, I think at first I just started playing along with, like, these big-ass headphones with my, like, big-ass, like, uh, you know, Walkman that played yep. the cassette tapes. Yep. And uh, So you were playing along to It's like ACDC. You know what I mean? Just very simple. Sure. You know, because I'm like, oh my God, I can't do my hand and the foot at the same time. I feel totally fucked up. Totally understand. That's how I would be now. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and then um, uh, and then the summer between eighth and ninth grade, that's when, so what? I don't know what happened. Maybe if I talk it out, it'll come up. But so something happened. Well, give me one second. I want one more junior high story from you. Before we jump in, it was not is ninth grade still junior high? No. Okay, ninth is high just school. So seventh, seventh and eighth, eighth. just yeah. two grade high, junior high. Yeah, it's always different. We were sixth, seventh, and eighth. In yeah. Um, wrestling. Yeah, when, wrestling. You did you wrestle both years? Seventh yes. and eighth. Did you wrestle high? Um. So I started out on on basically. So yes. <laughs> so you would be on acid at a at a match. Uh. No, I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever was at a match. Did you qualify for your weight class? So I, I wrestled JV at first mm -hmm. and then I think in, in toward, okay. Yeah. So the JV meaning there'd be a, a secondary match and then a main match. So JV, you'd be the second, just in case someone doesn't know what yeah. this is. Yeah. So junior varsity, I wasn't good enough at my weight division to be like the starter. But right? during the week, you'd have to wrestle to yeah. see who was the varsity wrestler, Absolutely, right? Yeah. And then, um, so there's a competition in the, in training and then there's the competition at the meet at the end of the week. Yep. So I did actually, um, make that starting kind of squad one time. When you were in seventh or when you were in eighth? Seventh. Okay. You you made it in seventh. I never made it in seventh. Yeah. And, 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 and so that was great. And actually I ended up, I did really well. And then I ended up, uh, having to fight somebody in an, in the next weight class up. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know what it was called. Some open weight division or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, I lost, like, it was just like the dude is way bigger than me. Um, it's better to, to go up against someone who is a challenge though. Yeah. Makes you a better wrestler. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's like, that's why I love jujitsu, man. It's like, I'm like the smallest dude out there. Do you there. connect jujitsu, what you're doing now? Because you do jujitsu now. Yeah. And you've been doing it for a long time. On and off for a do long time. Do you feel like wrestling in junior high was kind of the start? Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, not now. I mean, my wrestling base is just fucking gone. Like, I don't, I can't. Really? Because it's like the basic stuff has, has stayed with me. It hasn't. It, so... 
there was a, oh, for a little while, it, I, I could like kind of rely on it a little bit. Like in grad school, I was training jujitsu a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I went up against a real wrestler that like did it all through high school or something. Right. I'm just like, yeah, no, no, dude, I don't, I don't, I have zero wrestling skills. Right. But against someone who never wrestled. You're, yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, you so know way more to what to do. It, it's relative for sure. But now, like you know, in my 40s, for sure, I'm just like, uh, yeah, going for like a takedown. That just kind of hurts. I might injure myself. <laughs> it's gonna hurt both of you. You know what I mean? So I <laughs> yeah. don't even like. I try not even to rely on it so much. It's just okay. Like, fuck it. You know. I'm so just, I'm gonna stay healthy. So so you uh, but you went back. You enjoyed it enough to do it again. I didn't, which is different. I than... quit though in eighth grade. Oh, you I, did quit in eighth. I did quit. I started and like the coach was really excited to have me back, but then he was like, came up to me at the lunch table in eighth grade. My hair was dyed black. I think mm-hmm. I had a devil lock <laughs> and two spikes. You know, like twin fin <laughs> yeah, mohawk. Yeah. I had that. And he was just like, "The fuck are you doing, Rhino?" He called me Rhino. Was it, wait, Rhino was his nickname for you? Yeah. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing, Rhino? You gotta cut that goddamn hair." And I was just like, "Fuck you, dude. I'm not." I'm not coming back. <laughs> that was it. That was the end of my wrestling career. Okay. So you didn't have any, you didn't have the varsity matches. No. That you would have had it, in it eighth didn't, grade. Didn't make it very far in eighth grade. Oh. I, I just don't like people telling me what to do. Sure. To this day. And was he, now, <laughs> was he just thinking you were going to embarrass him that had someone looking like you on there? Because I mean. Who knows, man? I, I, I was the nonconformist. He wanted people to just look like clean cut boys. Right. Were they know? saying that the hair, you couldn't wrestle with hair like that because it would get pulled? Probably. Was long, that was probably long. his argument. Yeah. yeah. Which is probably legit, but you know, I'm like, eh, no, dude, don't tell me what to do because I'm not going to fucking show. Because the dude in Vision Quest has a, has a mohawk. Yeah, that's right. But it was Shoot. super short. Yeah. 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 It was, it was like Wait, Did short. you find that to be a disappointing movie? Yeah. It should have been our, our big movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was just kind of like, come on, man. Really? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. But the dude, did you ever want to walk around in the stands with a big tree? Like train it because that's how you train. Of course, man. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking I about. Still want to do that. Who listens to this that knows what I'm talking about? I still want. I mean, yeah, like, dude, totally, man. Like, I just want to move to the mountains and train in the fucking ice and snow. You know. Like... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go into high school. All right, you're drumming. Yeah, you've so, have you stopped taking acid all the time? Yeah, so I so before we go into high school, I I I gotta mention so like at the end of eighth grade, something like basically like a bunch of us got kind of busted, mm-hmm. not not by the police but by parents. Okay, and so like they found a stash of like acid and some weed, and so that was kind of like, yo, the jig is up. One of guys. your friends' parents. Yeah, and but then so, every parent gets a call. Everyone got the call. And so I was just kind of like, I think at that, by that point, I was just tired. Yeah. I was kind of just like tired and like, I don't want to be like this like drug addict. Just, I don't feel good, you know? And I was getting really into music. Mm-hmm. Like I was playing the drums kind of, right? I was trying. So at the tail end of eighth grade, I just said, fuck it, man, I'm done. And I quit hanging out with my old friends. I started hanging out with the fucking rockers because that's what you did when you like didn't have any other friends. You hung out with the rockers. Oh yeah, the weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, and they skated. So I'm like, cool. Okay. And so we'd go skating, you know, and I, I think at that time I had a Zorlac Metallica board. Nice. So the rockers loved me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I kind of, I kind of, I kind of quit doing everything. Were think, you, were you good at skating? No, God, I was terrible. All like right. I was like legit, like bad. Like, could you Ollie? 
barely. Okay. I, I could do like, I could like drop in on half pipes and I could do like, you know, rock and rolls. Wait, wait, from, okay. For the time we're talking about, you're fine. Yeah. I mean, but like street, maybe for your own standard, but like being skating? able to drop in, drop in on a half pipe and do a rock and roll. I mean, I, I was never good enough to do yeah. good rock and rolls. I'd always, I never turned out very well. Like yeah. I, I always get like a, when I, I rode uh loose trucks, so oh. I always would get wobble on that turn and yeah. fall. But so, man, that's not easy. Yeah, you just, you, just street skating. Street wasn't there? skating was not my not my bag, man. I'm just terrible at it. That's all right. Yeah. Um. And I just kind of I didn't really care. I was like, yeah, I'd rather ride. I like I like ramps. You know, that was my thing. That's cool. Did like, what's are, what's the largest ramp you rode? I think that I don't remember the kid's name. But and this was this is going back to like grade school back, again. Backyard ramps. Yeah, he had a backyard, and it was like it was like eight feet high, man. Yep. I definitely gave myself a concussion on it the first time I tried to drop in. You riding without a helmet? No, I, I had a helmet, but, but I was fucking out, dude. Like I slammed. I would didn't I didn't lean forward enough, you know? Slam yeah. my head backwards, like that shit hurt. Yeah, I broke my arm on a, an eight foot ramp, and I get kids back. Oh, well, I think they cut it down to six. I don't know. It wasn't quite a mini ramp. It had almost vert. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. But yeah, so and and was it was it rickety as fuck? No, it, it was pretty solid. Oh, they actually. build because the ramps that we rode in the mid '80s in like Bellingham. One, the weather tears everything apart up here. Yeah. So they were basically like kids built forts, yeah. and then they used their fort building experience to build ramps yeah, I, that you'd get up on top of. I mean, and I think skateboard. I think this kid's dad was like gung ho and uh, like helped right. and like built some sturdy ass like structure, you yep. know. Like the masonite was like fucking awesome. Okay. You know? Yeah, like, it was good. Was yeah. it covered? No, no. That's I mean, the one. It, it fell apart for sure, but <laughs> it was good. Right, it lasted, man. There was also a pool. We would break in and skate in a pool over by the old Shoreline High School. That's awesome. Yeah, and like the dudes from Fallout would like would always be there, and it was like always cool. I would be super intimidated, you know. Oh yeah. Um, like they were like just a lot older, and I was just some dorky little kid who didn't know what he's doing, but. That was kind of cool. That was always fun because there's an element of like crime involved with it. <laughs> Which definitely appealed to young you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did not know. I, you know. I've known you for a long time, but I didn't know the extent that uh, that you went to as a young man. I yeah. like it. I'm interested in hearing it. Yeah. I'm sure that uh, as a parent, anyone would look back now. Anyone our age that has oh. a kid would go, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> my kid can never hear this. Um <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so going into high school like when i'm starting you're hanging high school, with the skaters i'm like done I'm and you like, have you have quit on your own i've quit but you didn't know about straight edge i knew about it but, but you weren't straight edge. i was like the kid that was like saw the movie you mm -hmm. know and was like yeah that minor threat band that's cool i totally respect it but it's not when my, you say saw the thing. movie you mean another state of mind of course i do awesome <laughs> So, you know, so you know, I was totally the, the, you know, the kid. It's like, I totally respect everything they do. I think it's badass, but it's just not me. I'm not going to claim that. Right. And then. I was like that for about a year and I drank during that year. Okay. But every time I thought. I was like. I, I kind of want to be straight. I was like totally like clean and sober. Like. But you just weren't, you just weren't saying that was you. Yeah. So at some point. I'm like walking. I would like get rides from my grandma's house who lived right by the high school. So I could just kind of walk there because I was like, I don't want to ride the bus. Like I'd, I'd walked so much in eighth grade from getting kicked off the bus. I'm like, yes, I don't want to ride the bus anymore. <laughs> so Mark Holcomb would walk to school. And See, so I asked him about walking. 
I thought I asked him about walking. I because I remember you telling me that there had some there was something to do. You meet and Mark had something to do with walking. Yeah. We Tell would, me the walking story. So we would walk to an, I remember seeing Mark in, in middle school, but never talked to him, you know, mm-hmm. and then, um, not for, not for any other reason. It's just like, we were just in different scenes. Right. And, uh, but we're walking back and forth. Right. We're like, Hey man, what's up? I'm Mark. I'm Ryan. Right. So we start talking and I think he might've been wearing like a Jane's addiction shirt. And I was like, yo, that's, I like that band, you know, like we should be friends. Right. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> so we get talking and he's like, and, you know, it comes up that I'm, I got a drum set. I'm trying to play the drums. And he's like, oh, dude, I play guitar. My friend Joel and I want to do a band. And it's like, he's like, you want to, you want to play drums? And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, that sounds badass. And I think probably at some point I'm like, what kind of music? And I think that came up like Love and Rockets, The Cure. Yeah. Oh, he threw, yeah, definitely Love and Rockets. And, <laughs> and I was like, you know, that's not my, I don't want to play that, but you know, let's just see what happens. I don't think I was outright like, fuck you, pussy. <laughs> I think I was like, I, I, I want to believe anyways, I was more diplomatic. But was you, like, it wasn't because you hated the music they were talking about. It was because you just wanted to play something more aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I like those bands. I, I, you know, I was never a big Love and yeah. Rockets fan. I yeah, take them or leave them. But The Cure, I definitely liked, you know. Um, so I was just like, yeah, let's do it, man. Whatever. It sounds like fun. And that was the start right there. That and was, that was the it. start. Yeah. And you'd known, you hadn't known Mark for long. No, because so, so this was like, I mean, no shit. Like school starts in September, and by October, I was Xing up. I was claiming straight edge, and we had a straight edge band. A month into school. Yeah. Into ninth grade. Yeah. October. Wow. October so wait. So, October 88. So then you, well, it's a good time, but when you, okay, let me think about this now. Why did you decide Straight Edge? What's that event? I think. Because you were doing this band and they were, were they already Straight Edge? Or did you I don't all know. kind of decide at the same time? Mm, I, I don't, I don't know if it was so much that we just all kind of decided at the same time. I think. I think what happened for me, anyways, and I don't want to speak for Mark, because I don't. I honestly. Well, that's don't really fine. Know. And he's. We've got a whole episode with him talking yeah. about it. But for me, it was really like. So Mark's sister was dating Greg briefly. Mm-hmm. Greg Anderson. Yeah, and I go over to Mark's, and Greg's there, and he's got like a Youth of Today hoodie on, and he's like super nice and like super enthusiastic about our band, and yeah, and so he's super awesome he's like the coolest guy and going back to grade school days those those tapes with all the music well one of those tapes had false liberty on it oh and, and i knew greg was the singer for false liberty <laughs> so i'm like holy shit and i think greg's just like super he's like captain straight edge right and i'm like sign me up man <laughs> <laughs> awesome you know so it was like really kind of like one of those moments where you know i kind of put somebody up on a pedestal and you know you're a kid sure you know he's in these bands that i've been listening to and like you know loving for so long so anyways it's about october of 88 and that's when i uh i claim the edge do you know the day i don't know the day <laughs> the months is as good as we're gonna get <laughs> that's totally fine <laughs> and uh and still to this day huh still to this day that's so awesome dude <laughs> uh you know what I uh, love all the people that I do this show with, but many of them, that's not uh, yeah. That's not how the story goes. Right. And God bless them all. Yeah. But dude, I love it. Yeah, it's great, right? Yes, it's, it's like, great. It works just fine for me now. Yeah, yeah. I was just having. I was actually just uh, 
was t- I had a very similar conversation and and like last June I was out in Boston my old roommate Sweet Pete we kind of had this discussion it was like dude still straight edge still straight edge you know it's kind of like well it, yeah it, you got to check in with the old guys and you know it doesn't matter like I, it doesn't matter but when it just works out that way it's always kind of like heartwarming right like mm-hmm. i don't know get sentimental about it <laughs> well it would be weird if i was the only the only one that would be weird that would be <laughs> like, very okay. weird right no it's, yeah it's nice to have a few other it's just good to have a, a few old old timers yeah it is good cool so straight edge awesome uh so that's it so but and you think that was the same for mark and joel it was great because I think that's how it comes in. Greg's a real big influence. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think Greg had a lot to do with it, for sure. I, I mean, like I said, I don't want to speak for those guys, but I, I, it was all the timing was there, right? Again, the evidence suggests Greg. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's tending a garden that yeah. he that he seeded years before. Yeah, I gotta put my science hat on, you know, kind of defend my hypothesis. So you, what was the name of your band at first? At first it was called Crime Syndicate. Crime Syndicate. Yeah. We were like, we need a fucking mean ass name, right? And Crime Syndicate. That's what we came up with. Okay. And, and. <laughs> and did you have a bass player? Nah, that was. Just the three of you, huh? We just, yeah. At first we did not have a bass player. We had like a revolving door of mm-hmm. bass players for like a long time. We never had anyone consistently. When we first got going, we had this kid, Josh Barney, um, playing bass for a while. And uh, I think he ended up not doing it. I think I think basically his parents were so, like, fucking over the top with Christianity that right. they were like, you can't fucking do that shit. You're going to hell. You know? It's like, okay, whatever. We don't like the music and never mind the fact that you're going to want to go play places yeah. and things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for one reason or another, like the bass player thing was just, it would never work out. And so it was kind of like, whatever. Whoever could do it, like, sure, whatever. You got it. <laughs> right? Yeah. So what was your first show? Our first show was Lenny's Basement. Oh, that was the first one. That, our first show was March March of 89. Awesome. In, in Lenny's Basement. Yeah. Awesome. Is he scratching at the door? <laughs> Thank you, hon. Good looking out. Right, Lenny's... Okay, I think you said that before, that Lenny's Basement was the, was the first show. Yeah, so that was our first show. Um, and then as Refuse... Yeah. How long How long did Refuse last before you guys switched oh, over? Oh, boy. Um, so, I think we technically started kind of like towards the end of 87. Is that right? No, 88. Sorry. Old man. Um... <laughs> Towards the end of 88, and then uh, I want to say 1990. It was sometime, I don't know the exact month or date or anything like that, but I want to say 1990. You switched it over. Switched it over. To become Undertow. Yes. That was when you had John on bass. Yes. Yes, that's correct. John Pettibone comes in on bass. Joel is still singing. That's right. And then... That was where people started to really pay attention. I remember being at a party hall show, and I'm sure I brought this up with Mark too. It's probably just telling the story over again, but I was, we were down for something you guys were playing, and it was the first time like the the cassette was out. Yeah, and 
and people were people knew to dance certain ways at certain parts yeah, of yeah. your songs and yeah. then there was a sing-along part and yeah. it's still standing yeah right and that was like I'm, Val was making comments about it like we went home like back to Bellingham from that show and she was talking about and these are the dances they do and she was like specifically talking about like Sean is in the crowd or like awesome. other like other undertow fans that are there specifically yeah. because you're the band that's playing that night that they're stoked on yeah and it changed like suddenly you became someone to watch yeah i guess that was kind of like an uh like a, an, i guess a, a pivotal moment right like that demo that first undertow demo as shitty as it is like it came out <laughs> and people liked it right um and yeah i think that that's two when... color printing that ron did at kinko's right yeah yep. and we weren't we just i think it was like we weren't those quirky little kids you right. know playing like really bad music anymore we were just like now we're just like teenagers playing mediocre music yeah we've right? heard you know? <laughs> we've heard turning point now right <laughs> we're gonna do this yeah right totally <laughs> um yeah so but we, now did you did the did that turning point thing because it feels like turning point affected a lot of people the guys that i knew that played music in bellingham it definitely did and i saw the effect it had on people around you yeah did you connect to it or were you kind of like ah, i don't dig it no i i don't get me wrong i dug turning point you know for real like legit like that lp yeah fucking awesome yes um the drumming on it i would say and the drum sounds for that time i was like holy shit yeah like i want it i want my shit to sound like that right but i didn't connect to it like like the other dudes did there like, was kind of it, i was it not, became a look too i was never like i'm gonna comb my hair and tuck my shirt in that was not my thing man right um i may have like given it a shot here or there and it was just like yeah no i feel like a fucking clown i'm not doing this not that other people are clowns. I just, that's how I felt about myself, right? Yeah. Other like, people was like, this feels good. Yeah. This is a, you know, this is a look I dig. Yeah. No, I just like, no, I'm sticking my cutoff camos, man, which Perfect. I still have. It's the same shorts I still wear. <laughs> Wait, they're the same pair? Yeah. All the way from back then, huh? All the way from like 87. Oh, still that's, got them. that's amazing. Yeah. Hey, they don't make them like they used they, to. <laughs> they definitely don't, man. That is true. <laughs> um, then there was, I don't know if we're jumping ahead. So, so from this period of time, looking from my perspective, it seemed like you guys had a lot of cool stuff going on. Ron has really entered the picture in a big way Oh yeah, at yeah. this point. And, and this is where he, this whole period from like 90 to 90 up through like 93, the end of brotherhood through resolution, he did, it almost feels like Greg was so influential in getting a lot of you guys involved. And it seems like Ron just took that torch, like that baton. He just yeah. ran with it. I mean, he, that's, that's good. That's, that's, that's a good analogy. Cause really what it was, it was like, Greg was there. And, and for us, like, I, I guess in like North Seattle, right. Mm -hmm. Greg was like our dude that got us like, that kind of sparked it with us. And then once we were in, I never really saw Greg. Yeah. It was Ron. It was just like, it was almost just like, you know, Greg was the recruiter and Ron was like, you know, the, the career manager, right? That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And he, I mean, he would be, that was the thing. Sure. This band's coming to town, but I'm going to set up three shows. I'm going to make sure the Bellingham kids can do something, mm -hmm. you know, and we're going to, everyone's going to carpool up there and then we're all going to go out to Bremerton. We're all, you know, and then he'd be like, you've got to move to Seattle. I've got a place for you to live and a job, things yeah. like that, you know, that yeah. he would throw at people every now and then that he's the only person I've ever known that really worked like that to yeah. build something. And he did. Oh yeah. You know, it's, 
I mean, yeah, I mean, Ron was so involved and like he, he like got everybody else involved. You know what I mean? I mean, he was just that guy, you know, that was like his, that was his role. He was good at it. And so did he put out that undertow tape? Was that a, a Ron release or did he just help you guys get the layout and everything? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, so. But he did do the split with the resolution. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was like legit. That was overkill for yep, sure. Overkill records. Um, and. Yeah, that I don't know about that demo, and so that's like, we'll, we'll we're gonna encounter this quite a bit. I never paid attention to a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I was just like, I don't give a fuck. That just wasn't your. Yeah, is it out? Cool, it's out. Cool, I don't give a shit. You know, like, I didn't. Mark was kind of like the business side. Yeah, you know what I sure. mean. Sure. Oh yeah, because I dealt with him all the time. Yeah. Uh, I, well, hey, and we've reached the part now where I've met you. Like, so we caught oh, yeah. up. We're, like, we've met. That's now right. we're now we're interacting. We're bowling. That's right. We're in in the end of ninety two, in the early early ninety three, we're bowling. Yeah, but we're already uh, starting to like I. The first thing I did with you guys was putting out a compilation cassette. That's right. And I, you guys, let me take one of the songs off of the the next Undertow demo, the second demo with Pettibone singing. So I remember yeah. hearing Undertow broke up. Undertow's not broken up, but yeah. Pettibone's singing now. Yeah. So yeah, we probably need to talk about that a little bit. Do we? So like we, so Mark, myself, I think, I think at the time, I don't know if the timing's right, but he did at one point Spanky mm-hmm. um, and Seth and I even think Joel, we all worked at the Crest Theater. Oh, okay. So the Crest Theater was like the soap opera employer for a short Crest High School. Like, I mean, it was at all times some kind of drama happening. Right. You know, and uh, everyone knew each other. Everyone dated everybody else. It was... Everyone knew how to sell that's two where, tickets for one or one that, ticket for two, whatever Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had that total scam. <laughs> Made a lot of money. Uh, and then, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, I don't know. No, not really. Um, no. So, no. there was some beef. There was like a total beef. So I had beef with Seth. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. So Seth and I like had total beef, and it was over. But Seth didn't leave the band. It was over a girl. Oh, of course, really? Yeah, that's what it's always about. At right? work, you had work beef over a girl. Yeah. So you were both uh, dipping it, in the company ink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is definitely. I learned this, and, okay. and so was she. You met you, you. We talked about like you know in my youth not learning my lesson. So <laughs> the, I did learn a lesson from the Crest Cinema Center. Oh, really? Don't shit where you eat. Uh, I mean, I, I don't even, I don't even, I don't hang out with coworkers to this day. Because of that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, yeah, that's bad news. Um, so what was happening? How, uh, can you tell the story without incriminating people? I mean, it's just pretty typical. And I mean, now in the, this part of my life, there's no hard feelings. I don't care. Right. But I mean, it was just like, there was a girl, there were two guys no one was loyal to one another. Right. <laughs> Leave okay. it at that, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No one was. It was a, you had a, you had a little triangle going. Yeah. All right. So, you know, and you're in high school, you know, you get emotional. So, and, and me, I was just like, I'm going to kill that motherfucker. Right. But you guys got over it. Not really. I don't think we ever really. I, but you continued to play in the band together, didn't you? Bre- not for long. Okay, so this is this is while you've got Spanky playing bass and yeah and John and so singing. I will say like I might have some of the timing messed up, but this is how I remember it. So take that for what it's mm-hmm. worth. <laughs> um, well, once once you had John singing, 
everything changed. You guys took very quickly, you took big steps forward as a band in terms yeah. of the way you guys came across, the way you could present what you had to a crowd yeah, so and your songwriting. So Seth and Joel were doing Said Child. Mm-hmm. They'd started that and they were, you know, pompadour, tucking shirts, going off in that direction. And, and, and Joel was already like, and missed like a West Coast tour because his parents wouldn't let him go. So we had to have somebody else fill in. You know, there's stuff like that. And, yeah. and so Mark and I were just like, yo, this just, just isn't working. And then the, the beef with Seth was just to the point where we weren't going to be in a band together. Right. You know, it just wasn't going to work. So, you know, Mark and I were like, I I think we were just in the lobby working at the crest. And we're like, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to break up. But we're going to ask, we're going to ask if uh, Spanky will play bass. And Pettibone moved the vocals, and we're going to reform under a different name. Right. We Literally, this was premeditation. Sure. Mark and I were just like, this is what we're going to do. And Spank was in uh, Face First. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what we did. We broke up. I think Mark was like, Joel, done. Band's broken up. Seth, band's broken up. Nice knowing you. You know, that kind and of And they're thing. doing Said Child. Yeah. So and, they got another thing they're doing. And I don't think they really cared. I think right. that kind of gave them the freedom to really just There were some hard feelings at the time. Of course, there always but there's all, be. but then there's you always wonder if the hard feelings aren't that they actually were fine with the way that it worked out, yeah. but they just don't like that it looks a certain way. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. And I just didn't want Undertow to be gone, so I was thrilled when you guys were still doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we, we temporarily had some really corny name that Pettibone, something gave us. Stone, yeah, Bridgestone, like, yeah, like the fucking tires, right? Like, <laughs> good one, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what are you gonna do? Crime Syndicate was better than that. I love love the different perspectives we go to the show. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's awesome. And then... So then we said, and then... Right away, it it was a different band. Yeah. And it was a... a, But Seth was still in the band. Was he? Yeah, because when you guys played OK Hotel, and there's really great footage, video footage, he was either uh, accused or poison idea... On stage, it's John singing, it's Spank playing bass, yes. it's Seth, and it's you guys are doing an inside out cover. You're right. You, yeah. You're right. So that helps. So so my timing fact, was off. You did pin and words of fire. Yeah. Uh with John singing and yeah. so there is a little bit of a weird overlap so, there. Yeah, my that my timing was off on the on the love triangle. So the love triangle was a little after okay. the breakup thing and reformation. That makes sense. That That's makes right. Sense. Cause we were like, Oh, is this gonna be weird for Seth if we do that? I remember that now. Okay. So it's coming back. So he stayed so he stayed in place. He did stay in place. But it was yeah, it wasn't it didn't last long. Right. Which is fine. But it was man, the what's going to happen and then Pettybone came right out of the gate. It was strong. You yeah. guys are, your songs got better. You guys used to do an intro that you stopped doing, but it's in that video. I yeah. Can tell. Do you remember what it was called? Did it have a name? Oh man. No. I don't I, 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 I think it was just like part of a song, right? I think it was um I don't know. I oh, stopped like, doing it at some point. I always I think, missed it. I think we just referred to it as like the sick of it all song. Is that what it was? I mean, because it was like <laughs> so heavily influenced by like sick of it all. I thought, at least for me, it was, it was total Armand drum beat. <laughs> um, awesome. But uh, yeah, so we got to, we got to do our thing. We got to be total hardcore and those guys got to go off and be total pretty boys. Yeah. yeah. And, and then at some point... There's a, there's one more switch that happens. It's uh well two. Seth leaves. Yeah. And uh Spanky leaves and Damien comes in to play bass. Yes. And then for most people that know Undertow, 
they would think of that as being the undercoat uh, that they know. Yeah. For and you, it's like, it's half of the time, right? You know what? Technically, yes. But if I had to assign a weight to yeah. any of the iterations, that one has the heaviest weight. And when I think of undertow, I think of that lineup. Right. Like, that's how I remember undertow. And we actually did the most with that lineup. So we start talking. You're, I'm going to ask you guys to be on the comp. It's the a song off off of the, the first cassette tape that Pettybone sang the vocals on. The one that became the first 7-inch. Right. So we put that on there. And uh, we start talking about the idea of doing a, a release. Would you guys be interested in doing something on Excursion yeah. for, for the Stalemate 7-inch? Yeah. And what had happened is I had this tiny little record label. I put out 1007. Yeah. I put out Water Street. Um, and then John Lisa's band from New York, I did a split seven, yeah, yeah, a yeah. couple of those. Um, and I was having, uh, I was having a good time with it, but I was not making, I mean, I, I, I couldn't have afforded off of anything that I had done to even do the seven inch for undertow. And certainly not a CD version of it. There was right. just not, that wasn't my financial situation or the size of the label, right. but I started and, uh, this is also a Greg Anderson thing. Um, partially I started distributing all the different releases from D- different labels and Greg was doing engine kid yeah. and uh, Bauer was putting out stuff. And, uh, and so Bauer put out, you know, the guy's lap and yeah. resolution. And, and so I was distributing records to Dutch East India trading, but I'd say like done. John Lisa told me this. I've probably talked about this before on the podcast, but he called, we started trading records. He'd be like, Oh, I have this band sleeper. Uh, let me take some of that 1007. So we'd trade, you know, and it's like, Oh, it's not a sale, but now I have stuff from my distro. Yeah. Kids will buy them at shows sometimes, whatever. Yeah. Um, I started doing that with certain different people and John Lisa calls me up and he says, Hey, there's this woman, Camille, she works at Dutch East and she'll buy, like she'll, she'll take, she won't buy them up front, but she'll take records from you. So if you can trade with anybody else, you can just send her the records you traded and they'll throw them in the catalog and they, they fax this thing out to stores and stores buy them all up. And he's like, they sell out of everything. I'm like, (laughs) okay, cool. So I start asking her, Hey, John Lisa, I can send stuff to you. So I, first I send her my stuff. Then I start sending her other stuff, but I'm running out of stuff to send her. So I'm going to friends and I'm just like, Hey, let me buy these from you. So I'd give, you know, Greg 40 bucks for, for engine kids, seven inches or whatever. Yeah. And then I'd go to her and I'd be like, yeah, I need, uh, I have like 20, but I need like two twenty-five each. So I'd make like 25 cents each one. Right. But she'd take them and then call me a week later and she'd be like, yeah, they, they sold that first day. <laughs> Get me more. And then there wouldn't be any more to get her. But I did this so many times that everything I sent her would sell immediately once they fax the stuff that she says, this was coming up on the end of 92. She says, listen, you, everything that you touch sells, which is, was not true, <laughs> but the stuff that I was getting to send to her did. Sure. So she said, uh, we'll put money behind anything you want to do. Like, and so I was like, no, that's not punk rock, you know? And she's like, no, listen to this, listen to this. We'll just let you do it your way. Like, we'll just give you the money. We're your sole distributor. We pay ourselves back. And then after that, we get a certain percentage of it. And then all the arguments about barcodes and all those things started coming up. Right. But after sitting on that for a little while, I started thinking that undertow needs to come out. <laughs> Matt wants to put out another 10 of seven LP. And I thought Chainsaw Orchestra was just one of the best records in the world. I'm like, oh, I, I missed out on that. Yeah. I want to like do, oh, I want to do 10 of seven. So I started like scheming. 
And that became like my thing, man. I loved the scheming. So you guys agreed somehow to let me do the stalemate seven inch. And so I moved down to Seattle to be closer to you. Right, right. Um, and that was where, and I knew that if I had this deal, I had to get closer to where things were actually happening. Bellingham wasn't enough of a hub. Right. You know, so I moved down there and uh, we started hanging out all the time, going bowling. That's right. Um, marking it up ourselves without the machine. And we spent that first, you know, six months putting together the stalemate seven inch. And then along that way, we planned a tour. That's right. We did. And we went on tour. And we went on that tour. <laughs> I think that tour was like eight weeks. Yeah, man. It was seven weeks. I don't know. I don't remember. Seven or eight I weeks. don't remember any of the part of it where we were in the hot, uh, the, the south. I, I, I blank out in my mind for a lot of that. You, <laughs> you probably remember a lot of it. I might have been kind of. I remember throwing shit at a crocodile. Yeah, I do. I do kind of remember that in Gainesville, I believe. Gainesville, I, I, okay. So Var was there. There were friendly people. Yeah, I enjoyed that place. Yeah, I, I do but remember a lot of the South. I hated sleeping on a hardwood floor in a blanket with air conditioning blasting on me at that place. <laughs> that was miserable. That was not comfortable. No. Okay, so what happened was things were going cool with the seven inch. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dutch East had the seven inch going, and we wanted to go on tour. Yeah, and so. Dutchies was willing to front some money for an LP. That's right. And so the deal we made was, I'll give you guys the front money. We'll just buy a van with yeah. it. That'll right. be the way we can go on tour. That's we'll right. buy a van. So we spent all the money on a van. On a van, and then I had to and then go back and resell other shit. I ended up selling like stalemate stuff that I had in order to pay for the studio right. time for the LP, which <laughs> was fine. Rob Peter to pay Paul. That time it worked. Yeah. Um, but we went and got a seventeen hundred dollar van. Yeah. Do you remember what kind of van it was? Yeah, it was like a, a sh- it was a Chevy. Yeah. And it was like a, a classic. It was like, yeah, like windows all one of those ones with the windows all the way around it and they they weren't tinted. Like it was like, no. I mean, it was like yeah. a fishbowl. Totally. And you said like uh a, we got to go out with my buddy Dan. Yeah, look for Dan. Vans. Dan Junkers. Dan Junkers. Yeah, I still talk to him. Yeah, I, uh, he owns a, uh, or I don't know if he owns it, but he runs. Yeah, a, he runs that shop, a, an automotive shop, not far from here. And uh, our renter Ernie takes his stuff down to him. Nice. Yeah, he's Dan's awesome. Dan's but great. But he was a big part. I remember him saying, "This will get you. This will get you around the country." Yeah, I mean, and we we could afford it. That's right, man. And it, it was he was right. That thing got us around. It well, it, it had trouble. It did. That was my fault, though. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? It was your fault? Oh yeah. Oh, you're gonna have to tell me why that was your fault because I didn't know that anything was your fault. <laughs> did you did you do that to the van? Oh yeah. Oh the, shit! The drive from New Jersey to Ohio that was my fault. That killed the transmission. Six hundred miles in six hours. But I don't think those are the those are the locations though. Because we we were, we, we left Hiltz's and had to go to Ohio. Because if you remember, that tour was not routed in a logical. Yeah, but we path. broke down in Farmers, Kentucky. Yes, we did. It took on the way to. Oh, so we we put. I I thought we hadn't hit the East Coast yet when we broke down. And we had, and we left. Oh. We left New Jersey to drive to somewhere in Ohio. Yeah, and I drove overnight, and literally, like the the speedometer was like pegged. No, okay. You no, know, no. Mark talked about this in his episode too. Yeah. And you were like total and like D- Damien you... and I are just like laughing our asses off. Right. And and like you drove it so fast that you broke the speedometer. The speedometer. And... <laughs> so I was doing like maybe like one ten, and a cop flies by me, like I was standing still. Right. And I was like, "That's fucking awesome!" And like so, I just I'm asleep. It. I have no it. idea. I'm. Uh... 
no yeah. idea what kind of mortal danger I'm in. And Damien and I are just cracking mm. up. And then all of a sudden the speedometer starts to wig out and it just like goes to zero. But I'm still got the thing floored. And like you, we're so and that speedometer th- went to You think that's what did the damage? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Cause two days later, we're in Farmers, Kentucky without a transmission. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> was, I didn't do it on purpose. No, listen. I was just having fun. Listen. If you could go back in time and say, I don't want that to happen. I don't want the van to break down because it was expensive and it was scary. And, you know, like, yes, I understand that any rational, reasonable person would do that. But would I trade that experience for that money? Like for for, for the one show that was missed? That was crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that whole thing, you can't even believe it was real. Yeah, I know, right? What was that? that Mike? Was it the dude's name? You call Mike? him Cooter. Cooter. Because <laughs> remember, Cooter. that was the dude from Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, Cooter. But you didn't like... call it to his face. Yeah, right, yeah. No, he would have like, chopped us up. Well, if you remember, so, okay, the unhappiest part about this was everyone was tired and no one wanted to deal with it and everyone wanted to just keep sleeping. So we were behind a service station and. They were like, you go deal with it. Because the van was in my name. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right, right. So I ended up uh, going around and getting a quote from the people in the service station on doing the transmission. It was going to take three or four days. Right. We were going to, it was going to cost thousands of dollars. Yeah. We were going to have to like get money. Like we were trying to figure out like, how do we do this? Do we just go home at this point? How do we get our stuff out of here? And I remember coming back and sitting out on this ledge with Damien, just kind of like thinking this can't be how this work this isn't impossible and i looked out and i saw a phone booth yeah and i went oh my god that phone booth there's gonna be a there's gonna be a phone book in that phone booth and there's gonna be an option yeah absolutely walked out there and it was tiny little bullshit thing and automotive services there was one other listing other than the place we were because we were in farmers kentucky called that guy oh yeah go check it out (laughs) we were able to limp the thing there yeah and what was that place with the the shop, the place that we took it to. Oh, I don't remember the name of it at all. No, no, I don't remember the name. But it was it was literally just a guy like sitting in a lawn chair, right? Yeah, in with the, his with his like sidekick, like Billy Joe Jimba. But or if you remember, his, his sidekick wasn't there at first. I don't remember that. No, because this is this is important. An important part of the story is we, we got show to borrow up, his sidekick's car. He didn't loan us the car because he wanted us to have a car. He loaned us the car as a joke, as a prank on his friend. Yeah. I sent your car away with some guys from Seattle. Yeah. And we drove back. Remember, he was fucking with them. He was like, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> so luckily, his we friend was out a, on a beer run or something. And we went to that lake. Okay. Mark didn't remember this. We we show up. We're like the only white people. Okay. No. And it was like, literally like, if there were a record on that beach, we would have heard it. <laughs> Dude, not everyone remembers this the same way. But this is the thing. Prankster, who sent us in his friend's car... Also sent us oh, he to sent the, us. the beach where there were no white people. Right. And he knew what he was and doing. he knew that we were going to be like. <laughs> and you know what was awesome about us? Completely oblivious Seattle liberal fucking we hardcore kids. We were just like, let's go swimming. Yeah. And we were just chilling. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's some fucking white privilege. Yeah. And then they just see. <laughs> On like, display. And I had dreadlocks that summer. <laughs> You and, and, so they're like, you white, and Mark. White mother. You yeah, and Mark, Mark did had, too. had white guy dreadlocks. Yeah. And. We didn't get killed. No. Which, to our credit, we were nice people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think you all, probably... I th- you guys got more shit about the dreadlocks in, in New York. Yeah, New York. I heard, I remember hearing some comments. Yeah, New York, the, the Rastas were not cool with it. 
We were not down. <laughs> so we drive back from going swimming in the, the we didn't, I didn't see the sign that said no whites, but in the, in the no white swimming hole. Right. And we come back and dude is sitting there. He can't believe that we're driving up in his car. Yeah. And like I remember a, that guy was awesome. fucking with him. And it there was, was like sitting, an awesome seventies muscle car too. It was like badass. It was, it was it was some kind of Oldsmobile, wasn't it? I, I, or was it better than that? Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't have the. Appreciation I remember for because it like I love seventies muscles cars. So I'm just like I was like, dude, that thing is fucking badass. So in between working on the van, uh, and they would just sit in lawn chairs in front of the place and drink beer. Yeah. And remember, dude would like kick at him and be like, I hate you. He was just fucking with the dude yeah. the whole time. I do remember that. And we went over to a park across the like, street. Yeah. I mean, he would get raw with that dude. Yeah. Like, not just I hate you. Like, you cocksucker. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was his buddy. Yeah. So. It was, it was like some weird hazing to be like a transmission mechanic. You know? Like. <laughs> yep. Now, we we all wandered over to a park kind of a down the street and across from the place. I think some of us slept in the grass. Yeah, I don't remember It was something. That. It was a, it's all a blur. Did we, did he finish it that afternoon or did we sleep overnight in the van? Oh, no, he, I, oh, good question. I don't. We burned off a day, but I don't know that yeah. we burned off a night. I think I it was th- dark when we left. Y- yeah. He finished it by that night. So he, I remember because he was saying, you know, they typically need to let the gasket soak in the, in the tranny fluid overnight. Hmm. He's like, well, we'll just let it go for like nine hours and that should be good enough. And that's what it was. Nine hours later, he popped it all out, put it all together and we we're off. Well, we took off and it, it failed again. He had to do one more thing. Oh, did it? Right? There was one little thing. He's like, oh, well, hold on, hold on. We got to go back. He was taken on a test run with us and uh, the test run failed. I don't remember that. Okay. I don't know why I remember little details like that. Yeah. But it was, uh, I thought, oh no, he built the whole thing. Hey man, we I had this the tour. fear because we, we were... We were empty of money. Yeah, we, we were out. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, gave him a... Uh, gave him a seven inch. I remember giving him a seven inch. Did we... Hold on now. We may have... Did we... We may have given him like we a... We didn't have... So you guys had demos or we had... I think we had... Was the struggle because, undertow split? Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't the, uh, the excursion one because we finalized the artwork on that at Dutch East on Long Island on that tour. Ah. Uh. So there was something that you guys were were on. It might have been a split. I, I think it was know. a split with struggle. Yeah, I think that's what we gave him. With like Jose getting cracked by a cop. You know, I think like, so. Like here you go. And he was pretty like yeah. He was, he was like, real. He was like, like kind of stoked. Yeah. Like hey, wow, guys, I fucked with you this whole time, but yeah. he did the work. Yeah, no, he and was, it was a great experience. Yeah, it was good. As crazy as it was. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Absolutely, ah, that was funny, man. I you remember? I, I don't think Mark remembered the beach. And I'm huh. wrong. I'm going to go back. I'm going to be editing Mark's thing yeah. like in the next couple of days. So I'll, I'm probably wrong. He probably remembered exactly the same way you and I did. But Yeah. I, I definitely remember that beach, man. <laughs> that was good. So we, uh, what, what are some of the memories from tour? Uh, Mark and I dug into it pretty good, but oh different perspectives are, are always good. What, what things really stick out from you? On that tour? Yeah. It was, was Spark Marker. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I mean, definitely like seeing Spark Marker every night was fucking awesome. They were so fucking good yeah it was like never got tired of watching that band um i don't know i mean i think just going to new york city for the first time yeah like that was like a big and actually highlight. actually getting to see that there was a little bit left of scummy new york left before yeah. it was gone yeah like when we went to times square there were still porno theaters oh yeah like not much like one or two right yeah. but that old school around. 70s movie times square it was still half yeah and i like, remember going back with champion 10 years later Nope. I was like Disneyland now. Yeah. 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 
but yeah, and like the Lower East Side was still pretty fucking seedy, you know. It was like it was kind of cool. Like that was that was that was fun. That was that was memorable. Freedom meeting freedom. Mm, yes, meeting freedom Tripodi. I don't yeah. know if I say his last name right, but yeah, Tripodi maybe. I don't know. Good guy, man. Sorry, dude, if guy. I got your name wrong. Oh um, yeah, great guy. Yeah, that I don't know, man. Getting kicked off of Long Island. We <laughs> we not Long we, Island, Staten Island. We got kicked off Staten Island. We were awakened by the sound of Billy Clubs rapping on the top of the van. Yeah, and it's they, a ritzy burrow. Get the fuck out. You remember that they said it was a ritzy burrow. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember being so fucking miserable because it was <sighs> unbelievably and, humid and hot. Yeah. And we hadn't, we, I mean, we, we limped back to Hiltz's, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think. Do you he, remember why we were in that van? Because Freedom's mom kicked us out of the house. Freedom's mom said, no yeah, more, get no more staying. Get the fuck out of my house. She was pissed, man. <laughs> <laughs> didn't we come back from maryland and there was a note saying we couldn't be there i think so something like that <laughs> yeah it was just like ah shit yeah that was good man so we that was bad but like we had a lot of cop experiences on that tour and even when the cops were kind of shitty because we had a couple of good we had we had one good cop experience do you remember the first one i don't he we we our taillights were out Okay. And we were either in Eastern Washington or we'd just crossed into Idaho okay. and we got pulled over and the guy, the guy was like, you know, what are you doing? You know, young cop. And then we told him the story that we ended up telling a bunch of other cops on that tour Oh, banned from Seattle. We're just, this, we're just leaving for tour. And he was like, that's so cool. <laughs> he was like, oh, wow. You're from Seattle. What kind of music do you play? And then he helped change the fuse to get the lights I, and then he helped check to make sure everything was working and was like, Oh, right on guys. You'll be good. He totally was the kind of public servant. You hope someone is going to be, I totally don't remember very that quickly assessed that there wasn't anything fucked up going on. Yeah. Oh, let's make it safe for these guys and send them on their way with a smile. He was cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And that was the last one. Totally don't remember it, but that is awesome. Right. Because all the other <laughs> cops were just awful yeah and to be honest the staten island cops were probably the next best yeah because they were at least laughing when they were kicking us off the island yeah, right right yeah this is crazy do you yeah. remember vanderbrook getting tackled by the cops of virginia beach i totally don't remember that i we're walking have... back from the swimming hole that i wouldn't go in because i because uh what's the kid the kid we were staying at in virginia beach chin kurt yes kurt powers he... x chin x <laughs> <laughs> he's taking us to the swimming hole at night and I'm like, are there snakes? He's like, ah, it's like water moccasins sometimes. So there's no way in the world I'm even coming down near the, I'm the one to be by the grass. There's snakes, yeah. right? So pe some people are jumping in swimming. And as we're walking back, this bright light comes on and they say freeze and everyone stops and Vanderbrook just goes, fuck you and keeps walking. And just the next thing you know, he's been tackled. They've got his arms behind his back. It's just like, that was him. That was that guy. Dude, you know, I, I have no you have idea no why, but I don't remember it at all. Oh, it was great. Was you, I there? You had to have been. You don't remember getting busted by the cops? And the problem was is that Kurt uh, and someone else were under the... There was a curfew, and they weren't young enough to be... Or they weren't old enough to be out. I vaguely remember something about a curfew. So we were out past curfew, and then the reason why the police had been there is because they said it was illegal to park where we were parked. <laughs> and so we were explaining everything and we we're like, look, we didn't know we wouldn't do something like this. And like, and you're illegally parked. I'm like, we thought we could park here. And they, one of the guys pulls a branch of a tree 
away from a sign that said oh, no yeah. parking. Of course. And it was like, I'm like, no, that's a scene from a movie. Yeah. But it was, it really like happened fucking though. the end of a Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and they ended up after, after reading us the riot act, they let all of us go, including Vanderbrook. Like we all just went on our way, you know, Crazy. but the, the one person that they were, and that's the thing. We all had IDs except for the ones that were underage. And that's what they were focusing on. They, the main thing they were worried about is you look like you're out after curfew. Right. Yeah. No, man. So crazy. I have no idea why I can't remember that. I don't know why. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. I don't know. I remember yeah, that's like the tour met Justin Mulder. Yep. Justin Suburban. Um, met the mouthpiece dudes on that tour. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That was a good tour. Do you remember? It was, oh, it was so much fun. Well, that was the first time I'd gone out and seen the country. I think for all of us, that was our... Yeah, that was it. That was the first time. We'd seen everything, right? Yeah, like, uh, we had been up and down the West Coast a bunch. Yeah. But um, that's not that... that We real we found out really quick, that's... There's a big difference. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember hitting... uh Hitting... You were talking earlier tonight about humidity. Yeah. I remember hitting humidity for the first time oh, in... God. Uh, it was um okay where did we play where where we had to walk up the we had to load everything up the big wooden steps we met the dude he hung out he took us swimming he took us cliff diving he was awesome cliff diving lacrosse wisconsin wisconsin lacrosse wisconsin yes lacrosse that was wisconsin and when we drove humid. when we got out of the van it was like what is this yeah what is it was the first time i had actually encountered humidity that you could tell the difference yeah you know? i remember that i remember just like i can't stop sweating what the fuck is happening yeah. <laughs> awful and I, I can't remember the name of the dude but he was great he, yeah, yeah well, he took us to we went to a good swimming place yeah it was like a, i think there was a rope swing into a river well that could be yeah i think that's what that was yeah i i, don't, I wish i could remember that guy's name and the show was cool. awful yeah the show was terrible <laughs> but whatever i think most of the shows on that tour were terrible like as far as a turnout goes. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the shows were terrible or they would be incredible. They'd be like John Henry West. Yeah. And you and, uh, and there were like a couple other bands, Spark Marker and a couple other bands that kept recurring on it, showing at the same place. Was it like, uh, didn't we play a couple times with Chokehold? Yeah. On that, like In the Canada? Ham- Hamilton House and. Yeah. And with the band that became Grade. Yeah. Redline or whatever they were called. Yeah. Or whatever band they were before that there was another one i remember remember i always liked the one band that like you were like why what why did you <laughs> why did you think that was they were good i was like they were they just had something <laughs> and then we got busted coming we went uh we jumped off high dives at some pool in canada oh yes at the university yep in ottawa yes oh my god that was a crazy night i have very good remem- memories of that night what do you remember? So there was like, well, so I say very good. Memory. I might have to walk that one back. <laughs> so I do remember there was a a, a big show. Uh huh. I actually don't remember playing it at right. all. Right, but it was a big stage. But I remember there was some band playing it that and what's that eighty song? You're unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, EMF. Yeah. I mean, there was a band that I thought was EMF. I'm like, is that EMF? <laughs> I mean, kids are going crazy. Yeah. And I was like, this is fucking weird. And then they have underground tunnels all over that university because it's so goddamn cold in the winter. That's how they get around. And so Damien and I found our way to those underground tunnels and we're like, I smell chlorine. That means there's a swimming pool. <laughs> and so we're just like 
we there was like a golf cart down there and we we're like driving that thing around like and then we all of a sudden we found the pool and then we came back and we found all you guys we found a fucking giant ass pool man it's got like a, a like a, a 30 foot like high dive it's got a rope swing it was insane yeah it was the highest thing we ever jumped off yeah so we all made our i don't know if it was that same day or if we stayed the night and went back the next day we we legitimately swam in it like we were supposed to be there yeah we like we paid admission yeah like yeah. to get in and like, and we're like, fucking high dive. Here we go. <laughs> that was the first thing we went for. That and, was crazy. And then on the way back, we got stopped the border. Yeah. I mean, that was like always. Like, I've been st- stopped at that border so much. Like it all blends together now. Okay. You don't remember <laughs> the specifics? You don't remember that no. they used us as a training? I don't remember that. Wh- which border was it? It was going... Coming back into New York. Back into New York. From Canada. Yeah. And they, there was almost no one there. And they were like... The guy was like, all right, guys, you it's your lucky day. Get out of the van. Here's oh, how we're going to do this. God. And they brought people over and they were using it as training. Oh, boy. And they, the thing that tripped me out about it is that I had pepper spray on me. And it was illegal in New York. Uh, I was bringing it from Canada, but but by way of Seattle, right? right? And so it was contraband that they found. And they had it laid out on the counter. And they were like, so this is illegal in New York State. I'm like, oh, I didn't know. I, I thought since I could buy it in Seattle, I could just have it in, in the U.S. He's like, yeah, but you're coming from Canada. I'm like, oh, I, we're just driving around. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, cool. All right. And he hands it back to me. I'm like, just kind of look at him. He just kind of nods. I just put it back in my pocket. I'm like, okay, this is how this works. <laughs> That's how it worked. But do you remember <laughs> that we were sitting in these chairs and then they made us all get up and move to other chairs and then they tore all those chairs apart to look to see if we stashed anything? God, no, I don't remember yeah, that. happened. Oh, <laughs> insane. But yeah, and they they even said while they were doing it, well, we're using you as training for some of the other agents here. Oh, that's and they, funny. they took all the stuff out of the van, put all the stuff back in the van, and we drove away. It that took is, a long time. Of course. Yeah. yeah. God, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, you see, no, that's weird. So you have no no recollection of that. Yeah. There is, I mean, there's so many things like that. And like, we had picked up a traveler, too. I can't remember his name. Dude from oh. Seattle who was up in Canada, and then we had him along for some of the. Do you remember the guy's name? No, was he? he was was he Punk with dude. us on the Fourth of July? Heading out to Long Island, though he I rode with so. us, Probably. and he was with us when we played ABC No Rio. Yeah, because he was going off for uh, what's the old dude's name? Ted Franco. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get was into that, that show, name? but I've told the story too many times on this podcast. I was sitting outside watching a street fight. I think. Oh God, <laughs> I no. couldn't. I didn't get into ABC No Rio. Oh, I had. Yeah, I had to watch that. Like that <laughs> dude was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he was going after that guy. Huh? Yeah, nuke it, nuke it, stick it in the micro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the crusties were going after that guy. It was great. Yeah, I don't remember that dude's name, but total cross punk dude, super nice guy. Yeah, he was good. And it was fun to have him along. Okay, so if there's anything else from the tour, the tour, the summer 93 tour <sighs> that you want to uh, you want to bring back up, we got to come back from it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I it was know. learning how to kickbox in Clevo's backyard. That's right, man. <laughs> Taking that across the country. Clevo. Clevo. I still talk to him all the time. Still one of my closest friends. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean... I don't know, man. Things got good again when we got back to Cal- when we got to California. Yeah, that's like that was like a common theme. I think with every band I've ever done. Yeah, it's it just like things get good again once you get, you get to, pat through Texas. Yeah, you got to go through the doldrums, right? And then you like it's good again. <laughs> 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 once you're on the West Coast, it's so weird. 
Um, okay. So when we get home, I remember seeing that being on the freeway in a van and seeing that old view where you'd come around on I-5 and you could see the, the kingdom. Yeah. Um, that was such a big deal for me. We've been out for seven weeks. I can't believe I'm back. It's over. Yeah. We, you know, we had no cell phones. We did everything by payphone. Yeah. I don't think I was in the van with you guys then. I think I was in a car. Oh, that could be. Coming you know, up with some girl. Oh, all right. That sounds, this sounds vaguely familiar. That's a, another thing. I, so I asked in Virginia Beach if I was there because there were times I wasn't with you guys. Like I just would like go off. Okay. You know what? <laughs> That's true. And to not incriminate you, <laughs> yes, you, you definitely had side adventures and we all noted it. We were all like, fucking Murph. He's off on a, he, he's off on a side adventure. He's writing his own chapter that the rest of us aren't going to be in. <laughs> and But yeah. people kept trying to take you away. Yeah. It was quite a tour yeah, for you. It was. It was. It was, you know, it was free. Young and free. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. I, I remember thinking, it was the dreadlocks. No, nah, dude. Listen, it was the, I've a known big you part for, of. It I've known you for a long time. I've seen a lot of people relate to you. I've heard a lot of people talk about you when you're not there. It wasn't the dreadlocks. <laughs> it's you. People dig you, man. Okay. But I remember thinking, I gotta learn from this guy. <laughs> study. Let's study him on this tour, like a like I'm a student. <laughs> Oh man. Um, but it was, but there wasn't, yeah, it, it was, it was more what you weren't doing or something. I don't know. Are we being vague enough for people? Probably. Yeah. You were, you were also the drummer. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> You're beating on stuff. I have watched different people watch drummers. Once again, I'm still being vague and, and be very interested in watching them. And it's, okay. it's, it's, it's something about, it's like a contained primal violence. Okay. That, that is, um, attractive in a way to certain people interesting and i think that's that has to do with it okay it's probably served you well over the years my friend yeah i mean i don't know i guess <laughs> so we're back we're back and undertow now basically all i do is i come back and go to work and start working on the next wave of excursion releases yeah and and i'm working graveyard and i'm but and people don't see me too much for me life picks up again in the summer of 1994 like yeah. that's where things get exciting yeah there's like there's firehouse shows and stuff yeah i cool. mean there's shows and i you know i think actually undertow went to uh that that winter we left on christmas day and drove down and picked up strife with our sand that same van Yes, and I was not along with you. No, and it was me, Mark, and Damien. Mm -hmm. Pettibone had to work at like Banana Republic or something. And seriously, <laughs> like couldn't get time off. And, so you went, wait, so. And so, 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 so I got a phone call from, I think, I don't know, I think it was Andrew. Maybe it was Sid. I don't remember. Someone in Strife. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was Andrew. Called me up and was like, dude, we're going on tour with Earth Crisis and Snapcase. Because this is about the time when, like, Victory was, like, signing those dudes. Yeah, right? yeah. And, I mean, like, Snapcase, Strife, Earth Crisis, they were, like, oh, what, like the big three, right? Uh, and they're, like, yeah, but we don't have a van. Can we, can we borrow yours? And I was, like, oh, well, yes, but the transmission's shot. Like, because that van crapped out when we got home. Yeah. I, I don't know why. But I think I, I had that van. Like, that was at my parents' house. Yeah, once it came, once we came back, I was like, well, 
because we never really knew what we were going to do yeah. with the van afterwards. And I'm right. like, I think it's just your van. Like, it's not like the excursion. It's it's Undertow's van. Yeah. It was like advanced money for the Undertow record. Here you go. Yeah. So Tell what we did with it. So that was, so I had the van at my parents' house and the transmission was just fucking blown out. So I told Andrew, I'm like, uh, you can, but you're going to have to buy a new transmission for it. And I got to get that put in. And he's like, well, how much is that going to cost? I'm like, let me call you back. <laughs> So I call my uncle, who's like a, I don't know, a career like automotive parts dude or something, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yo, can I get a transmission for this van? And, you know, do you know anyone? And he's like, oh, let me, let me make some calls. And he found one in a junkyard, like out on the Olympic Peninsula. Nice. He's like, you just have to drive out and pick it up. It's like, it's going to be like, I don't remember what the cost was, but it was like, you know, like 300 bucks or something. Yeah. And I'm like, all right cool i'm gonna go get it so like i think i borrowed my, my dad's truck and i drove out and i got that thing well first back first of all and i'm like so can you help me put this thing in the van and, he, and my uncle's like yeah yeah i can help i'm like all right cool <laughs> so i'm like it's gonna cost me like whatever it was like 300 bucks and then i gotta get the thing in and so i call andrew back and i'm like it's gonna cost a thousand bucks and and so He's like, okay, no problem. And he sends me the money. And so I basically go buy the transmission. And I, I install the thing with my uncle. Wait, so you actually did the installation? Yes. Well, dude, your uncle and you doing the installation is an amount of... Right. The so, I mean, I, I think I earned the money. But that was my tour money. <laughs> so... Dude, they probably never heard this story. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but but I also drove the van down there and picked yeah, them up, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, And so... It was worth it to them. So... You know, and we're like, oh, and I think I put another condition. I was like, and Undertow has to be on this tour. And it, they were like, done, done deal. But then Pettibone couldn't go because he had right. to work at Banana Republic. <laughs> so, so you all just went for fun? <laughs> so the three of us, minus John, went and uh, we picked them up. We drove straight from Southern California to uh, Tracy Bergman's house mm-hmm. in New Jersey, like nonstop, straight out there. And in that, that, the van, the bumper on that van, the rear bumper had like a tear in it. It was weird. It was all fucked up. Yeah. And so we didn't have a tow hitch for the van. So we had a U-Haul rent one of these like things that go on the bumper so they could tow a trailer. Right. And because of the tear in that bumper, we had to do it off center. Oh. Because we did it off center, one of the front tires would go bald every few hundred miles <laughs> and blow out. Oh, no. So I... <laughs> I luckily packed this like two ton hydraulic jack from my dad's garage and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, had that with us. And, you know, we, it, at first it wasn't a big deal. We didn't notice. I think by the time I got into New Jersey, it's dead of winter too. It's super cold. And I noticed like, Oh, this tire is getting really bald. It's just this one. What the yeah. fuck? So I just started monitoring well, it. Well, the van had to sh- it was all out of whack anyway. The tires went bad on that thing faster than they should have. Yeah, and I mean we had I think twelve people crammed in this van. <laughs> it's like people always had to sleep under the loft, right? And all the equipment <clears throat> was in the U-Haul trailer, and so I mean, it was just a fight. And everyone would catch some one person would get the flu, pass it to somebody else. It went through everybody, and then the first person that had it would get another strain of it. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> oh god, it was just awful. And and so we get we get to Tracy's. And we're we're in touch with John the whole time, and we're like, dude, can you get out here? Is there any way you can get out here for any of the shows? And what ended up happening is John Hiltz, I think John Hiltz and Tracy 
pitched in and they bought John a plane ticket. That's amazing. And they flew him out to Philly. Justin Mulder picked him up. And we ended up playing. There's photos from the show. I see them all the time. There's, there's photos at uh, Josh Gabriel's basement. Um, and we played Syracuse. And I don't know. That's the only, those are the only two shows I remember us playing. Right. But we did get to play at least two. Um, and then John, John flew back. And so we were driving around though the whole time. And I'm, we'd stop every time we stopped for gas. Oh, and the windshield wiper motor went out too on that tour. <laughs> of course. So we'd stop for gas. I'd get out with the hydraulic jack. I think the, one of the roadies for Strife, Murray, he would like start pumping gas. I get out, jack the car up, like, you know, NASCAR pit stop style. And I'd take the tire off. And I go take the other, and I'd, I'd rotate the tires. <laughs> I mean, I had this thing down. Right. I, I could get it done by the time he's done filling the tank. It was insane. <laughs> and so we just your I, pit crewing. We because what we we were coming back from a show, and I think I was in Tracy's car with her, and they had a blowout. Like the tire just blew out on like the New Jersey Turnpike or something. Yeah. And like I I didn't notice, and like we get back to Tracy's, and I'm just passed out. <laughs> And these guys didn't show up until like the next morning. And they're like, oh my God, you guys, you didn't see us. We had a blowout. We almost crashed. <laughs> it's just like so much crazy shit on just that one little, and that was only like three weeks. Yeah. And uh, I think we saw like some cars on BMW, like do like uh, two fucking full spins and like crash into a snowbank in Pennsylvania. And we pull out, we pull over to see if he's okay. And it's like, we all just pile out. And it's like some like, Dude, he's like all freaked out. And we're like, yo, are you okay? And he's like, I think so. And we just like, all right. And we start like moshing around his car. <laughs> and this dude is just like, what the fuck is happening? We're like in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. He thinks he, maybe I died. Maybe yeah. this is what happens. We're literally moshing around his car. We're like, we're going to get you out of this, dude. And so we push his car out of the snowbank. And, and they're like, all right, dude, have a good night. <laughs> oh, see? Fantastic. Yeah. And then uh, what else happened? Like... Right place, right time. I like overate. Like I was like sick and I like remember, I just remember eating like a box of like those Boca chicken patties mm-hmm. and then like chips and salsa and like there was like some like chocolate cake. I was just like gorging myself on food at Tracy's house. And then we go to a show. I think we played Josh Grabell's and then we're like coming back and I'm laying up in the loft and Amy Sunny is like up on the loft next to me and I'm like, I'm going to be sick. And you remember that van, the windows up there, they, mm-hmm. they just like went out just yep. a little bit yep they just opened a little bit and i i just put my mouth out then i just started vomiting and it just we're on the freeway and it froze solid to the side of the van <laughs> i mean violently throwing up oh no and we get to traces and mark's out there the next morning and mark's like i gotta get this off the van it's just like this frozen puke like just like this Thick, frozen stalactite, you know, puke <laughs> on the side of the van. And Mark's out there with hot pitcher of water to like get it off. Oh. And as he's doing it, it's thawing out. And he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it smells so bad. <laughs> oh, God. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it was. What a trooper, Mark. Yeah. yeah. It was like, Good for you, Mark. Like I was just like on the couch, like fuck it, I'm I'm dead tired, I can't move. Um, yeah, and then so that was the that was the thing. Rotate the tires every time we stop for gas, and then we drop them off in California to come back straight shot mm-hmm. to Seattle. And you know you're going over the Siskiyous, 
we don't have wipers. Oh. And it is like snowing so hard. And like there's fog. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I can't see shit. And so we literally, we had a, we stole a squeegee from a gas station. And you just drive with the window down. With and the window down freezing. And you'd have your arm out, your left uh, arm, while you're driving, uh, trying not to crash, and just trying to squeegee the driver's side window. And that's how you had to do. Yeah. And so I'm like, I just remember driving, white knuckling it, and I am 10 feet behind the car in front of me because I can see his taillights. If he's any further away, I can't. Right. And I'm just like, I'm just like waiting to slam on the brakes if he's going to stop because like i don't know what's ahead of me and like it was like that for i don't know how long but too long i was like i don't know if now adult me i would have pulled over and just slept but yeah we'll deal with this yeah (laughs) deal with this when it clears up yeah that was nuts man but that was it that was the last trip for that van that That was the last trip for that van and then you guys are back we go into spring and summer of 94 and 94 it seems like things really blow up yeah the LP yeah. comes out. Yeah, yeah. So somewhere in there, you guys also recorded the LP. Yes, we did. I, I don't. Was it fall or spring when you recorded ooh, the LP? I remember it being fall. Okay. I remember it being like dark early for some reason, and that makes sense. Yeah. So we start. Um, we were in school. No, we weren't in school. What the fuck am I talking about? Now, did did die down? I was record, working. Did die down record when you guys were recording the LP? Oh God, I don't remember. No. No, Die Down recorded when you guys recorded a version of Cedar and a version of... Yes, that's right. We It was like, they were like demo versions. Yeah, it's like, it was a, we went down to Clint's, it was yeah. almost like a, a like a, a pre-production, kind of yeah. just like, just to record a couple of new songs right, before Control, before the Control 7-inch. Was it before Control or before... Because no, because those songs got re-recorded for Apple Thens. So it was before Apple Thens. And plus, we weren't doing Die Down for a long time. I think you're right. So we were in, I played bass as well as I could in a band with, uh, with you called yeah, Die Down and yeah. Mark played guitar and Ron sang. Yeah. And then at the very end. We didn't Kinder play? Kinder was in yeah. it. Kinder yeah. was, a, was in it on guitar. We right. played a few shows and it was fun. Yeah. It was good. It was. I remember, I thought that was really fun. And we recorded the song that ended up on a Universal Choking Song compilation. Yeah. What was it? Another Chance to Get It Right or Another something? Another Chance to Get It Right. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so then that summer of 94, things in the Northwest in terms of, like, prior to that, the big shows would be, like, out at the old firehouse, and they'd be mixed shows, right? Like, more like punk rock yeah. bands playing with Seaweed and Undertow were always a good mix. Yeah, yeah. Um, you'd get a lot of people. Some of the shows from that period, um, some of the pictures that you see from that period where you the, you guys have a huge crowd of hundreds of people, that was a that would be a time when you guys would be playing with Seaweed. Yeah. Um. But then we actually started to have like more of like a dedicated hardcore scene. Yeah. In yeah it started to actually... And a whole bunch of new people came in. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um then there was good and bad about yeah, of that. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but it was very exciting. And then from that point forward, some of it I lose touch. Like the the nineties get weird. You get a band you guys are gone. You 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 do uh Apple Thens comes out, you did a tour another tour in the in Mark's car. Yeah, that was ninety four. That was 94, right? With Unbroken. You did it. T- wait, with Unbroken, but they had their own vehicle, right? <laughs> yeah. So we, we bought another van and the van never left Seattle. Oh. Basically, we got we got suckered and we okay. bought, we didn't have Dan Junkers with us. So we didn't buy a good van. <laughs> and uh, it's not Dan's fault. It's our fault. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So that van never made it. And what happened was um, I was like fighting with this like, 
some auto shop like on crown hill somewhere and i was like threatening to sue the shit out of them you know i was just like going crazy because these guys like charged us like 1200 bucks to fix it and then it didn't fix it and they were going to charge us another a thousand to like fix it again i'm like are you fucking nuts <laughs> you didn't fix it the first time you know so it was just like one of those things and uh so that that van was just dead it never made it anywhere and uh we were supposed to go and drive meat unbroken and start the tour and i was like it started out and i was like fuck it we're taking my car let's go and I had, I had a Honda Civic hatchback. <laughs> yep. And we crammed in that thing and we made it to like Kelowna, Washington. <laughs> you know that little town by the <laughs> nuclear reactor? Yeah. And my engine seized, like ran out of oil and I, uh, it seized up. I was like, oh shit. And we had to push it like the wrong way on like a, on a freeway on ramp. Right. <laughs> and, uh, get it off the freeway. We called like Blanchard and Carlos, um, the Tacoma crew. Yep. And we we're like, dude, you guys got to come get us if you can, please. We're broken down, you know. And uh, it's like the four undertow dudes and and Corey Sabatini, and uh, so they come and get us, and then we're just like hanging out in Tacoma for like a day or two. I don't remember. Like literally, we're just kind of like, what are we gonna fucking do? And so we're we're in touch with Rob the whole time on Broken. And so like, oh yeah, we'll show this here show. This, it was good. It was all right. Didn't miss much, whatever. So we're playing Detroit, you know, this night, you know, or Chicago, whatever. So we were kind of keeping track, like, what are our options? And finally, Mark was like, fuck it, we'll take my car. And we're going to drive straight and we can try to make the Chicago show. So we did. We didn't make the Chicago show. But we made Detroit. <laughs> I think it took us 44 hours to get from Seattle. But we made it to Detroit. And we played and, you know, basically we, we, we basically had picks and sticks. That's what right. we had. And like a <laughs> box of merch in the trunk. Nice. And, uh, I mean, I don't think any of us really brought, brought any clothes. Like, we just <laughs> didn't have any space. So it was like, I think everyone had like a shitty little backpack. Right. With, like almost nothing in it. And that was it. Um, and so, yeah, we did that tour, um, just kind of sh- borrowing on Broken's equipment. That is what we did. And made it was it. great to have, uh. A, a group of connected bands that were friends that had been through shit with you. Oh yeah. That, could, that could make something like that happen. Oh, totally. That was great. It was, that ended up being a, an awesome tour. It was really good. It was a lot of fun. Not the most comfortable sitting in that car, but <laughs> that car was a trooper, man. That thing held up. It was an, an Oldsmobile, uh, Oldsmobile 98. Is that what it was? Yeah. A 1970 Oldsmobile 98. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So then what else happens with Undertale? Um, so, so we get back from that tour. Uh, so I think we'd had, we had recorded the control seven inch before we left for that tour. Mm -hmm. It hadn't come out. Right. But I remember we passed along to everyone when we were out in the East coast and they were all fired up on it. I remember that. And then we get back, um, was that, so that's summer 94. Um, I don't know. We just we start playing locally, but then everyone starts doing other bands, right? Like, but didn't you did go to Europe? We did, but I not, remember shipping a big box we, of stuff. We, we, that was uh, the fall of '95. It was the next year. Yeah. So but before we went for Europe, we actually we ended up kind of breaking up. I mean, whether it was a hiatus or we officially broke up, right? That's a little gray area, but. Uh, 
you know, we were pretty much like we walked away and it's like, eh, let's just not do this for a while. And I mean, it was, I think it was all mutual. Yeah. Is that how I remember it anyways? Um, and I, I just think like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly what happened. I, for me, I think for me personally, I think I was just getting, it's like anything else. You get tired of doing the same thing over and over again. Sure. You know, and, and I know, I know Mark and everybody, they were like doing, uh, like, like nine iron and Dempsey and, you know, I like those bands, you know, and then I started doing nothing left with, with Damien and Zach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I loved that band. Oh, it was super cool. Like that, like that was the kind of shit I, that's, that's, that's my shit. That's like how I want to play the drums. Right. Um, so, I mean, we kind of had those things, so it felt kind of just easier to kind of just at least take a and break. Things were changing. Things, things were changing. changing. The, people were getting into there were lots of fights, weirder stuff. Oh, there was okay. There was all kinds of internal drama, but I wasn't talking about that as but, much as I meant like musically. Things were changing. Botch was on the rise. Yeah, Trial was trying to still do more of what you guys were doing. And yeah, they came into their own. Yeah, um, uh, definitely towards the end of the the decade. Um, but yeah, it was, there was a weird period of time where, you know, you had the Aurora house and you had like, I don't know, there wasn't a lot of like hardcore the way you guys had played it Yeah, going on. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, I just kind of, the way I remember it, it was just kind of like a weird vibe, Yeah, like it throughout the scene. Not that it was bad, but it was just kind of like, maybe it's just a time for a change. I don't know. Sure. And, and like, there was like, I remember the last show we played at like the old Redmond firehouse and there were like a ton of fights that night. Like yeah. in the crowd and it just put a big damper and it was a bummer and it was just kind of like it, you know it's like i don't i, I don't know it, it, we it was just kind of like this isn't what we want to do we don't want to be a part of this right you know and it's like let's just take a break and i and for me i was like i just wanted to move to the east coast i was like i, I want to move to and New you York. were and you were planning that it was something i was i wouldn't say i was planning it i just really wanted to do it and i was like kind of i mean I was, I was also lazy i'll admit it like i didn't have a plan it's just, it's just <laughs> did you move ha- to new york or did you move to boston it's just gonna happen right so um so i wanted to do it and it was just something i was kind of you know um thinking about a lot i didn't know how i was gonna do it so in, in any event we'll get to where i moved in a second in any event we had run a hiatus if you will and then the summer 95 rolls around and ignite comes up and they play Ground Zero. Right. And uh, I start talking to Casey. And he's like, hey, so what the fuck's up with your band, dude? You guys, Are you guys a band or not? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. It, I don't have an answer for you. Like, that's kind of how I put it. And he's like, well, we need a band to go to Europe with us. Because this other band on our label is being a pain in the ass. <laughs> and uh, I think he's talking about Temperance. Okay. And... Uh, uh, and so I was just kind of like, well, so you want us to go to Europe? And he's like, yeah, can you guys do it? It'd be awesome. And I'm like, yeah, we'll go to Europe. And I hadn't <laughs> talked to anybody. And so I just started like, I don't know if everyone was at that show. I think they might have been. And I just was like, I got to talk to everyone quick because I think I just committed us to something <laughs> that I really want to do. Right. Right. And so um, everyone was down like, OK, yeah, let's let's do it. Because it was a thing that wasn't checked off the list. Right. Yeah. And so we got our shit together enough, right? Barely, but enough to like get over there. Sure. 
And uh, so we did that tour with, with Temperance. It was Temperance, Undertow, and Ignite. Ended up, you know, hitting it off with the Temperance dudes. They were they were awesome. Ended up not hitting it off so much with the Ignite guys. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we look look back on it now, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was that was a fucking insane tour. I can't, like, some of the shit that happened, I can't believe. Um, and it, I was, we were all fucking pretty miserable throughout it. But looking back, I'm like, that's that funny, right? Right. And it was like, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that was a thing. We did that. That was a long tour too. I think that was like eight weeks. It was long as shit. I mean, it was like, I think we left at the beginning of October and we got back almost like in December. It was insane. I remember shipping you guys a giant box of shit. Yeah. Record and CD and stuff. Or no, maybe I'm off. I think we left in September and got back Is that in right? October. Yeah, that's that's right. We, okay. So so here's where the, my East Coast jaunt starts. <laughs> so when we were over there, we played a show in, I think, Leipzig, Germany, Coney Island. Awesome club. Um, I used to love playing there. And um, we played with uh shift and earth crisis who were on tour together okay and so that's where we kind of met the shift got dudes and lady and uh so there i'll say that and then whatever so we talked headed off love your band love your band blah 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 had a good time good show and then we get home and i literally just started renting a, this apartment down on first hill like i just signed a lease and i'm like all right i don't know what i'm gonna do next but you know we got this new place whatever and I get a phone call, and it's Norm uh, uh, Arenas, Antimatter. And Texas is the reason. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, so I know you said you wanted to move to the East Coast. He's like, I might have a way for that to happen. And I'm like, oh, yeah? And he's like, um, Sam quit Shift, and they really need a drummer. And this was for the tour Texas and Shift were doing. Yeah. And, he, and, and basically, Norm's like, yeah, we need a a drummer because we're not canceling this fucking tour. Yeah. And, and he's like, so if you want to do it, um, you know, we can probably get you out here. Steve ready equal vision can fly you out. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to do it. Like literally, like I, I, I think I might've said, I'll think about it. But by the end of like the 10 minute conversation, I was like, yeah. I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, just like that. I think two days later I was on a plane with my symbols and my drums were being shipped via UPS, and yeah, Steve, I, I talk to I talk to Steve about this all the time, and he just laughs because the it took like, I think like thirteen hours to get from Seattle to to New York because he oh. he got like the cheapest. <laughs> he just laughs because he had this travel agent back then that was like some like just like Indian lady or something, and and like would get dirt cheap tickets, right. Cause he had no money yeah, yeah, and it was just like, yeah, I mean, I went from like Seattle to Denver, to LA, to Salt Lake, to <laughs> Dallas, to Chicago, to New York. I mean, it was ridiculous. Right. And by the time I got there, I was just like, I just felt like dying. And like, like jo uh, Josh shift picked me up and was just like, yeah, we don't have a place for you to stay. Like no one at EVR is home. And you know, I, I don't know where they're at and my place is way too small. And so we ended up like driving to like some club down on the Lower East Side and Simone. Yeah. Simone was there and she's like, hey, I heard someone from Undertow is playing in, in Shift. And he's like, yeah, Murph, he's in the back sleeping. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God. And she's like, 
dude, what are you doing? Where are you staying? I'm like, I don't know where I'm staying. I don't know. We're trying to find me a place to stay right now. And she's like, we can stay with me. And so I ended up staying with her and her roommates. Awesome. Um, while I practiced for like three days nonstop with shift. And then we left for tour. And well, maybe it was more than three days. And I, I did stay, I think I stayed at EVR one or two nights. But mostly with Simone and uh, and Jessica. And uh, so leave for that tour. That was that was another disaster. That Their their <laughs> van blew up in Lawrence, Kansas, where we stayed for five days. Oh, why we got a new engine put in. Right. That's another crazy story. I had to drive to a junkyard. <laughs> the Which a- you had experience with. The ass end of Kansas. And the dude that owned the, 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 the shop in Kansas, he's like, yeah, you can just, you. I found you guys an engine. I told the, I, so I'd been through this with like a, a seized engine and I told the, the shift dudes like, please don't buy a new engine. I think they're quoted 2,400 bucks. I'm like, it's never going to run the same again and it's not worth it. Let's just get a U-Haul truck. We'll pile on the back and drive back to New York. Right. And they're like, no, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to save this van. Okay. Your money. You know, that's yeah. kind of, and I'm like, what am I going to do? So we were literally like in a super eight for five days. In Lawrence, Kansas, off I-70, eating at the Village Inn every goddamn day. Like, we knew the waitress by name. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just like, I started looking at the little nickel one ads, like, for jobs. Like, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm running out of money. So, I drive out with this dude's truck. I get that motor. I drive it back. And, like, all he had was AM radio. And it was just nothing but Christian radio. And I was, like, going to shoot myself. Like, I was like, I can't fucking listen to any more of this. And, uh... <laughs> So we get, um, I get, we get the engine put in and we drive straight back and we get back, uh, the day before Thanksgiving to New York city mm-hmm. and Coney Island high sick of it all is playing with beastie boys, beastie boys playing an all hardcore set. And I'm like, this is why I wanted to move to the East coast. Right. Nice. So I get into the show and I just like have the time of my life and, uh, and then, so then I'm like, well, what am I going to do next? I'm just going to stay in New York, I guess. And I don't know how it happened, but I ended up hooking up and staying with uh, Mel Gooch in her, her apartment. And she, at the time, was roommates with um, Matt, who was playing guitar and mouthpiece. And he's now doing, uh, he's from Louisville and he's back in Louisville and he's doing that band with uh, Bricks from CR. Um, you know what I'm talking about? I'm drawing a blank right now. I can't, I can't think of any. Um, yeah, I'm sorry guys. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm old. Um, but they're, they're good. I've heard them. Um, but anyways, so I ended up staying there like for like 175 bucks a month. That was the agreement on the futon. And there was a, t- I don't remember that. So there, it's all kind of mashed together, but I was at EVR one night and I remember, so it was like Stephen Kate and they just had Kalini. Their, their, their old, now their oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. She's like a newborn baby. And this is when EVR is still in, in Manhattan. And uh, Norm lived with them. Uh, I can't remember who else lived with them. <laughs> but so I get there and I'm like in my cutoff camos, yeah. right? I'm wearing like a, you know, a raw deal shirt. And like, and like Steve just looks at me and he's like, yo, you fucking love hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, don't you, you know? <laughs> and like, you know, and like Norm and everybody are just kind of like, you know, like they're, they just think I'm funny. They think I'm like, oh, look at this, like, look at this novel little, you know, kid we got here. <laughs> and uh, 
So anyways, I'm there and I'm like, yo, like Sheer Terror's playing at, at the limelight. You got, who's going? And everybody at AVR is just like, who the fuck is this? Who would want to go to that? You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm fucking going. And so I, I just went by myself. And, uh, and that's, and then I, and I didn't meet him there, but now one of my best friends, this dude, Jerry, uh, Waldron, who I was roommates with in New Jersey for a long time. Um, he was at that show, but we didn't meet. He was dating Simone at the time. So hardcore, right? Yeah. Everyone's related somehow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm staying with Simone and, oh, no, no, this is after that. So now I'm staying with Mel in Mel's place. She had this sweet pad that her parents were paying for while she's in grad school. And so I am at, it's like on 13th street or something like that. It's like awesome. Like kind of like in the East village and, um, 175 bucks a month. I get the futon, mm-hmm. no privacy, but Hey, 175 a month, whatever. I'm like, I'll do it. So I'm staying there and things, you know, things just got weird. I don't know. I didn't have privacy. I didn't like that. And, uh, so on the shift tour, when I, we went through, when we went through Boston, you know, it's like, we stayed with sweet Pete and sweet's like, sweet Pete's like, yo. Got this basement apartment. If you want to move here, it's yours. There's a spare room. Like he's like, there's a kid. He signed the lease. He moved back to Wisconsin. You know, he's still paying rent. For all I care, you can just live rent free. But he pays it. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, keep it in mind. So after about a month, I I just didn't. I wasn't happy with the situation in New York, even though it was like super cheap. So I call Pete. I'm like, yo, is that room still for rent? And he's like, oh, totally. And I'm like, I'll be there this weekend. So I, I, I got Mel to drive me up there and all my drums are still crammed in her closet. So, but I get dropped off up in Boston, move into that basement apartment with Pete. And at the time he was living with the other roommate was, uh, Ben Chusid, who, uh, was on house arrest, uh, for writing his breakdance name on the walls all over Boston. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, that was for you, Mackenzie. Um, <laughs> He loves it when I say the breakdance name. And uh, <laughs> so I'm living there. And then he's on, so he's on house arrest and he can't play drums for a 10 yard fight while he's on house arrest. So he, he and their other bandmates, like Anthony Papalardo, ask if I would do it, if I would do it, fill in. And I'm like, sure, why not? But you guys got to drive me down to New York so I can get my drums. So Anthony Papalardo, we, we borrow his parents' car or something. We drive down, pick up all my drums, drive back to Boston. So that's how I got. That's that's why I'm on the ten yard fight seven inch. Yeah, because Ben was on house arrest, couldn't record. Um, so it was just a, it was a temporary gig. Temporary gig, it was never meant to be permanent. And um, so I was there about a year, and and then drama. You know, there was a lot of drama when I left. Like you know, there may or may not have been girls that were involved with that. So I bailed, <laughs> and so I basically a lot somewhere along that year I was up there. Um, Jerry, my friend Jerry, who I met because he was dating Simone, mm-hmm. um, in New York, he I kept in touch with him, and he's like roading for that band Ensign mm-hmm. from New Jersey, and he's like, "Hey man, um, Ensign is probably gonna be kicking their drummer out after this tour. They were on tour with Good Riddance, right? So this is like the summer of '96, and uh, he's like, do you want to play drums for them?'" And I just remember at the time, I'm like, oh, yeah, Mandel, man. Like, so another one of my oldest friends, you know, Mandel put out the Sense in 7-inch. I would, full disclosure, I wasn't a big fan of the 7-inch. Um, but, you know, it wasn't terrible, right? And so I was like, uh, yeah, let me think about it, you know. I don't know, maybe. 
And so I it, I was planning on actually moving back to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And so I'd met some girl in Connecticut and she was like, oh, I'm going to move to Seattle. She was friends with Laura Porto. And so she was like, I'm going to move out to Seattle, you know, and, you know, whatever. Laura's helped me out. And I'm like, cool. Can I get a ride? <laughs> and she's like, sure, why not? And then like, basically like she, something happened. I don't know. Her car blew up or she just didn't want to go anymore. Either way, that fell through. Right. So I called Jerry and I'm like, hey, man, all my plans just fell apart. They still need a drummer. And he's like, yeah, I think so. Let me call you back. And he calls me back and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, um, I could probably be there next weekend. <laughs> so I got this girl, uh, Nikki, to drive me down to New Jersey, and um, which she was great. Nikki, nothing but respect. Bad love for Nikki. And she drives me down to New Jersey and drops me off drums and everything one shot in like her station wagon <laughs> and uh i moved in with jerry at his mom's house <laughs> in cranford new jersey and uh and it was like the hardcore hotel like all yeah. the bands would stay at his mom's house like, sure like maureen the coolest lady on the planet she was great great hardcore mom you know and uh so i did that that's how i that's how i got to jersey to do ensign how long did you do that that was a fall, fall, I guess fall of 96 until, yeah, I guess like basically the end of December 99. That that one stuck. Yeah. We kept busy. Yeah. We did a lot of touring. So that that was, and you know, so I, like, I wanted to go to Japan. I wanted to go to Ireland. I wanted to do these things. I didn't get to go everywhere. Um, I couldn't stick it out long enough, <laughs> but uh, that's okay. Well, listen, we're coming down to where we need to, we need to sum up. All right. But we don't have to be completely done yet because I have a few more questions for you. You okay. make it back to the West Coast. I do. After all of your adventures. Were there any other East Coast band adventures? That I played in? Yeah. I don't think so. Or anything that you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to leave behind in this story. Um. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, we did like a, a little East Coast tour when I was in Tenured Fight with this band 454 Big Block. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, mean, I love those dudes. And so I will say, like, I, I there are like there are like a few people that I've met in the hardcore scene that like you know some people like let's 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 just be truthful. Like hardcore kids can be fucking snobs. Yeah. Right. But you know you do meet people that are just genuine. Right. And, and there are like dudes and, and, and ladies, right. I mean, dudes in a, in a yeah. very general sense, um, that I've met that like, you know, I maybe I've, I've lost touch with, but you know, so Jerry is definitely one of them. I mean, these are people that like from the get go, no judgment, dude, what's up? You're new. You know, you need help with anything. You know, you need to, you know, you go get some lunch and, and like hang out. Like, cause you're new, they just want to like be friendly and extend a hand. Mm-hmm. And some of those people, like, you know, Jerry, when I first met him, you know, and, and not that I'm like totally boys or down with any like this guy anymore, but I will say, like, I was like blown away at how polite and friendly he was when I met him. Was Isaac? Oh, really? Yeah, like super, just like, hey man, welcome to New York, man. If you ever need anything, let me know. Like, you want to grab some lunch? Let's go get some lunch down at the deli. You know, like. It's like, wow, that's really cool, right? Um, not that I really like got to be friends with him or anything, but I just want to say, like, the and then and then another guy, like when in Boston, Kevin Norton, man, 
the dude that played bass. He played bass in 454 Big Block, but he played, he played bass for Eye for an Eye. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that dude was over the top cool. Like, just I was like, yo, what's up, man? Let's hang out. You know, like anything, maybe part of it is like he didn't have a job at the time. And just like, he just, <laughs> and I didn't either. So we just like hung out every single day. But I mean, it was just like, you know, it's people like that, you know, that, that that's like really great. And I mean, it's not just in hardcore, but I think especially in hardcore, like, because you know how hardcore kids can be a lot of the times. Yeah. Standoffish and, mm-hmm. you know, I got to one up somebody for some other reason. Well, that, that, that's never, nothing good comes from that. Yeah. It's the opening about, you came into it. Every single person that comes on this podcast or that we know they got into it, didn't get into it because they fought their way through the crowd of tough faces. Right. I mean, they, they someone welcomed them in and wa- said, you should be a part of what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, or so, you should be part of what I'm doing. So like, I'm, at, you know, I mean, it's things like that. It's like really cool. It makes it easy because moving to a new place is hard, man. I mean, I've done it enough, and I mean, it can be super <laughs> challenging. All over the place, and uh, you just got to find someone to drive your drums somewhere. That's right, up somewhere or down somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> those days are over for me, but uh, I'm on my own. <laughs> but I just got to drive my kids shit around, you know. <laughs> yeah, you'll be doing it for a long time. Um, I'm sure, but. Yeah, so I mean, you know, there there's some fun times for sure. You know, good people I met, and really great experience, good life experiences. You know, like just moving someplace new on a whim. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like I I would never do that now. You know, I, I even if I didn't have a family to like yeah. that I was kind of responsible for, right? You'd be a little more. I still might hesitate. And I gotta think this through, <laughs> right, right? Right. But back then, I mean, it was great. Like, just I'm gonna do it. Yep. And I don't give a shit what happened. Gonna and, make and it, you made it work. Yeah, I'm going to make it happen. So you did come back out to the, the West Coast for a while. I did. Yes. 2000. Started 2000. Yep. And you were in a band out here. My, You were in a band with my roommate. How did you get in with the helm? So the helm, the helm originally, I, I, if I remember this correctly, that started with a ram myself and i believe ben is that how that started yes that's an interesting and and i think from the get-go and a and ram can either deny it or confirm it i don't know but we all got together one time we were going to do something yeah and, and 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 but i think after that first initial i think we may have only had one kind of practice mm-hmm and I mean, it was very what the helm was, right? Yeah. Ended up being, and and I don't think a ram was really so into that, which is totally fair. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying this in a in a negative way at all. Sure. And uh, it nothing ever. It just kind of fell flat. Nothing yeah. ever happened. And then I don't know how long, how much time went by, but a, a substantial amount, like at least several months went by. And then um, Ben was like, "Hey, I got this guy Tim." that wants to like try to do this a band are you are you you know you would you be interested and i'm like sure why not and so we got together and and it and i think bob was involved with that as well i think maybe maybe it was bob that actually said he's got this guy tim that wants to do it and uh and maybe it wasn't ben but in in any event (laughs) somebody said that and so i was like sure let's do it and um those original songs that we worked on with a ram ben and i were like the some of the first helm songs. Oh, okay. So that's so that's I, why I, I, I don't even I didn't even remember that connection. Yeah, so there was a little bit there and 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 then but from that point with Tim and Bob and and myself and Ben, it really just kind of like 
it just I don't know. I felt like that. I mean, that band was. I think to this day, I think I think back, and I'm like, that's one of the bands. I I think I might be most proud of, like that 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 was like the most fun, and I think because I mean I was in school still at the time. Yeah, like I was still. Um, I think I was just finishing undergrad, and then I was working full time, in a fucking miserable job. But wait, uh, you you went to school for geology yeah with nate turpin uh we overlapped i think we we yes but i think we barely overlapped i think i was on my way out right he was kind of just i remember him him saying when he first went in there he saw you in there yeah that was in he's talked about that a little bit in his yeah i remember i remember he's like hey and i and like i recognize his face i'm like oh dude what was your name you know and i it's not because of anything other than the fact that I just have a shitty memory, you know, like, but yes, I totally, I totally do remember running into Nate and talking to him, you know, and then quickly remembering his name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I recognized him from like state route and all that, sure, you know, sure. um, so I mean to take you off of the helm, but I just, I wanted that, that links up to another podcast episode that we okay. had. Um, yeah. all right. So the helm. Yeah. The helm. Um, he did that for a while and then you left. Again, I, I did that for a while, and then I left for grad school. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, I, I got accepted to a program in in Delaware, so I had to move out to Newark, Delaware, for graduate school. And uh, yeah, so I left the home. You know, not that not there was no other reason. Right. I mean, if I had stayed, I would have kept going with it. <laughs> They've uh, morphed a few times. Yeah. Um, cool, man. So look, listen. You and I, we've been doing this for a while. Okay. <laughs> um, what should we talk about on the way out? Oh, man. I don't know. What do you want to talk about? What's, what's going on in your life now? So I, I, I live in St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm married. I have a daughter. Um, it's super weird. Um, <laughs> I've lived there about seven years now. So... So I got there from upstate New York. So in grad school, I uh, I was kind of like a terminal master. So I wasn't staying on for a PhD. So I basically knocked my coursework out and was like, see ya, I'm out. I'm writing my thesis from upstate New York. So mm-hmm. I started dating a woman um, who was an ex, actually an ex-girlfriend from the mid 90s. Um, and so she was in upstate New York. So did she I, ever drive you anywhere? No. Okay. <laughs> so I was just trying to bring it back around. <laughs> yeah, no. That one that theme didn't that didn't stick on that one. Um so anyways, I move up I, I so I was in upstate New York and I was I was actually started working for Steve because equal revisions up there now. Yeah. And I was basically just like catching t shirts as as they come out of the dryer after printing them. Yeah. So that means like you know, I was making like nothing. Um, it was like a miserable factory job, but I mean, it was money while I'm finishing my master's degree. Yeah. And so, and then this was about 2008. So if you remember, like our economy crashed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And New York state was particularly bad. Right. And so I'm like, oh shit, I I got this piece of paper now. And I'm going to be like, best case scenario, a fucking, like I'm serving coffee somewhere. Sure. With a master's degree and, and master's of science, you know? 
So I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So I just kind of opened up my job search nationwide. And um, I landed, I basically was like, I'm taking the first job that's like, you know, not just like the highest pay, but like the best benefits seems the most secure. So I, I, I took a job at some company in St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm like, what the fuck? St. Louis, right? <laughs> so we were in, and my wife at the time, she was a school teacher. And she's like, well, I can get a job teaching probably. So it doesn't matter. We can, we can move and try it out. Worst case scenario, we just leave. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, sounds good. So we go and a year and a half into that job, it's just miserable and ended up getting a new job, which pays a lot more and had more room for growth. So yeah, I'm still in St. Louis. You settled down. You bought a house. <laughs> yeah. I bought a house, sold that house and built a house. <laughs> awesome. Roots. You set, put Setting down roots. Don't say that. Oh no. no. Okay. There won't ever be. All houses can be sold. The, the, <laughs> we were talking about that before, <laughs> before we started recording. It won't be like the St. Louis Murphys. No, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Way down the line. You know, I, we'll see. We'll see. All right. So yeah. that's where we'll leave it. Yeah. Caught up to today. You're in town. I'm in town. Uh, you are, uh, you say that the, the drumming days are behind you. Maybe. But I never believe it. There's always a way to return. So I have somebody that may or may not be trying to ship me a drum set. <laughs> Brandon, if you're listening, I'm waiting. <laughs> well, we, uh, I think, I think people will like, will be interested in that. Yeah. To see what comes next. Yeah. We'll see. All right, brother, thanks for coming out and doing this. Yeah, this is fun. Thanks a lot. You bet. I always do that. It's hard to hear the handshake. Usually there's just, just a... Uh, yeah. I bumped the mic. There's that a was bump it. on the mic. But when you guys hear that at the end of the episodes, that's the handshake. That is it. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thank <laughs> you. All right. Another episode in the can. Hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. Let's do some quick corrections. There's not much. Um, and then I'm going to go because this was a long one. And if you're all the way to here, then I, I appreciate you putting in the effort. Near the beginning of the episode, I say that I'm happy with this episode because I've now had every member of Undertow on the show. And it's not really true. If you consider the early incarnations of Undertow, um, a lot of people, when they think of Undertow, they think of the four guys that essentially put out the records that most people know and who did most of the touring. And when they do the reunions, these are the guys that play. That's John, Mark, Ryan, and Damien. But key players of Undertow also included Joel, Seth, and Spanky. So, um, and probably others that I'm not even thinking of right now. I haven't had those guys on the show. And I hope to eventually have those guys on the show. It'd be fantastic. But it was kind of a different... In my mind, it just feels almost like a different band. You know, it feels different because those four main guys did most of the work that people know of after they, you know, basically learned how to do all that with these other guys. So, um, yeah, I have had the four principal players of Undertow on the show now, and I'm thrilled. Another thing is when I'm talking about Florida, I, I think I said I threw some stuff at a crocodile, and I don't. I had to check and see because I always get crocodile and alligator mixed up. And uh, so I, of course, did a quick internet search and discovered that Florida is the only place where crocodiles and alligators coexist. It could have actually been a crocodile, but it was realistically probably an alligator. Let's be honest. I think gators are more common, and I just need to think about that. They 
They always talk about the Gators. They're going to feed the Gators. This, our sports teams are called the Gators. It's Gators that we have mostly here in the U.S. So, yeah, I'm pretty certain that I stupidly threw stuff at an alligator trying to get it to chase me. Which it wouldn't do. And pro- which is probably good because I'm here doing this podcast. Anyway, that's it. That's all. Um, until next time, I've got another episode recorded already. A group effort. That one's coming. Just depends on how long it takes me to edit. This with my schedule these days, it's hard to know how long that's going to be. And I got, you know, as usual, all kinds of little schemes and tricks. Little things. I'll announce some of it here when it happens. Alright, until next time, I'll see you. Thanks. This podcast is a product of the Nobody's Knows Podcast Network. Executive Producers, David R. Larson and K. Drake Streetman. Music for this episode provided by Polymorph from the record Artifacts, Demos, and Debris.